Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You're listening to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Carriker is off today. He's going to be competing in a golf tournament. But we're so lucky because we have the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber, who's going to sit in with us all three hours. He's here with us now. Good morning, Kerbs. How are you doing? Michelle, I am awesome today. How was your family golf tournament yesterday? This is how we want to start the show, Curbs. I want to go right <laughs> after this one. Well, the Smallman Open, the much-discussed Smallman Open on Father's Day. For those who were listening to the show on Friday, my family does a big Father's Day golf tournament. And there's a trophy involved. There's hardware involved. has a big plaque on the bottom. Smallman Open champion. Like a cup, it goes from winner to winner one Correct. year to the next. That's okay, right. I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, and it was on my family's mantle for four years in a row. Oh, and then last year, my cousin started dating this guy who's a good golfer. He comes into the family. They take it last year. So we wanted our revenge this year. We've been practicing. My dad made me get up early and do golf swing exercises. We listened to a little queen. We will rock yep. you. And on it's, the way it's to- a nine hole par three tournament. That's right. Right. That's right. With the whole family. Yeah. Curves. He has me listening to queen on the way over there to get me mentally right. Okay. And we still lost. <laughs> we still lost. I can appreciate the effort. <laughs> so, uh, it's just one of these things where, like Steph Curry, we're going to take the summer, we're going to put in the work, and you don't want to see us next year. You just don't want to see us next year. Okay. But you said, when you told me the story right before we went on the air, you said it was my cousin's boyfriend. Yeah. And I said, hang on a minute. That's Time right. out. That's right. Boyfriends, girlfriends, best friends, dogs who are friends of families or whatever are illegal in these types of tournaments. I agree. Because Last they're easily because argument. because they're easily replaceable. You are one you are one glance at a bar jealous look away from being broken up. Okay, so yeah. to me, I anything if now, but then you did correct it. You said fiance. I'm like, eh, now we're getting into I a different know. category. He had the audacity fiance, to propose yeah. like two weeks ago, yeah. knowing the Smallman Open was right around the corner to legitimize this thing. Yep. No. Uh, and and by the way, I don't care if it's hey, we've been dating for ten years. Okay, if you are still considered boyfriend, unless you can prove that you're common law married. <laughs> okay. Nope. You're illegal. You 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 can't you can't play. You know we put you in the amateur category. That's right. You can play for the the Smallman Amateur Open. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And but in, but until you commit to the family, you're out. I tried to make that argument last year. It did not fly. Well, you just got to get more clout in your family. Okay. Here's the, here's another rule with this. By the way, yes. real quick here. 
Okay. And I do have zero clout, by the way. Any, um, okay, so did you take a big family picture or something? We did, okay. we did. We took a family okay. picture at the end. The ultimate key. Now, we have done this. As I told you, I got a big family. I got eight brothers and sisters. Yeah. Okay. So, at as... So as you're starting to attend siblings' weddings or whatever, and you know, and one of your little brothers and sisters, or heck, even me for that matter, when I went to my brother Kevin's wedding, he got married and Karen uh, before us. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you're bringing them to the wedding, and family pictures are taken, you don't want to make them feel awkward and say, "Okay, you got to get on the out," like like you can't be in the picture, okay? But you make you make the non fiancéed and actually fiancés belong on the outside too till they, <laughs> until you actually do say the I do's okay you put them on the ends of the picture because that so way if they break up or things don't go well you still have this great family picture from the moment and you just literally with a pair of scissors cut the boyfriends and girlfriends out of the picture it's an easy crop it's an easy crop that's it so that is an absolute family picture rule boyfriends and girlfriends and fiancés must always be on the outside of the photo so you can crop it. That is so relatable because how many people listening to us right now are like, oh yeah, that family photo with Debbie in it. It's such a great picture, but I can't Useless. stand Debbie now. <laughs> you gotta throw it away. You got you, yeah, you got you gotta throw it away. You're like, why is she right. still on the Christmas card? Oh, or the he, worst. you know, still on the Christmas card. So yeah. But now with Photoshop, I think you could pretty much take care of anybody. That is true. That that is true. But that I still think is too much work. I think you just grab the scissors from the door, boom, I love slide that. it right back into the frame, and you're good. Well, before we get into some sports stuff, Cur- Curbs, you are a great girl dad, a great dad. Period. Uh, did you have a good Father's Day? I did. I had an awesome Father's Day. Uh, I I got surprised yesterday. I had um, I had this kind of like like little storage like shelving unit or you know armoire down in my office down in the basement. And I was talking about putting shelves in along one wall and changing it up, but yeah. Christy knew that I probably wouldn't do that for a long time with so much other stuff going on. So they said, "Close your eyes," and they took me downstairs and they they replaced all those shelves. It was a, a, I was kind of blown away with it. It was nice. What a great! But gift. I told, but I told you, I, I like to me, I, I just told my little one I'm like nope four hugs during the day whenever you feel like it that's all I need that's yeah, the gift that's awesome yep. well I'm glad you had such a it good, was day, good day thanks not so great for the St. Louis Cardinals who fall to the Boston Red Sox six to four the Red Sox take two of three in the weekend series up at Fenway Andre Pallante making just his third career start came in he pitched pretty sharp curbs he went into the six he allowed two runs four hits he struck out four walked only one but one of the things that I'm pulling out of this game is Tyler O'Neill and the injury to Tyler O'Neill. He was just starting to heat up. He had just come back uh, from injury. He had three hit games consecutively, so he was starting to really heat up. And then he's removed from the game yesterday with a hamstring injury. Yeah, and in the ninth inning, too, which stinks. But, you know, I do wonder, like, I'm at the game the other day, a home game, last Sunday, as a matter of fact, and a week ago from yesterday. And he gets up there. I'm like, good lord! Like literally from from his eyebrow to his toenail, it's just a muscle. Yes, it is. Right, one big okay. muscle. Now I know how I feel, just kind of raking leaves or picking up twigs and putting them in a bucket <laughs> or you know a bag to put at the at the curb there. I, I'm I don't like. I got to imagine like his stretching routine has got to be off the charts to keep like for flex the flexibility you need. To, to stay in that kind of shape that, that, that he's in, but then the flexibility you need to play the sport 
mm-hmm. has just got to be immense. And so I like I, I do tend to wonder when it comes to Tyler O'Neill and injuries, if it ends up becoming more of an issue. Like you like, and I'm and I'm saying this not knowing what his routines are, but but it's going to be something you will start to watch, you know, over time because hey, being in shape and being just being ripped and stuff and I'm not saying that 60% body fat like I'm carrying around right now is the right way to go but uh but but there's it'll be really interesting the shame of it was he he was heating up and 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 playing really well he really was and as Kurz mentioned it was in the ninth inning Jan excuse me Juan Yepes comes in pinch hit three run homer in the ninth in uh in relief of Tyler relief, O'Neal, yep, I should say. Yep. Ali Marmal talked after the game about the latest on Tyler O'Neill's injury. Left hamstring, they're checking him out as we speak. Um, and we'll have more here shortly. Waiting to hear more on how long Tyler O'Neill would be out. But Ali Marmal also spoke about Tyler O'Neill and how he was starting to heat up offensively. Yeah, no doubt. That was uh, He was taking really good at-bats, took some really good ones yesterday with the homer, took some really good at-bats today, backside double there before he pulled up with the hamstring. But uh, everything was headed in the right direction. Um, it's unfortunate because uh, that lengthened that lineup quite a bit. Next man up. It is next man up, Curbs, and it's frustrating because when Tyler O'Neill is hot, when he's Tyler O'Neill, you know how he changes the complexity of this lineup. We saw what he can do down the stretch last season. But so far this year for the Cardinals, they've proved that these young guns are more than capable of answering the bell when they're called upon and that they they do have good depth on this team. So now is the time to really enact that next man up mentality. Well, fans for a long time always Bark and yell, give the kids a chance, work that through, try and let's see what they can do. Well, you're going to find out right now. You know, I mean, it is amazing that you're 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 sitting here with with, with the Cardinals and and a record of what 38 and 30 or something like that, right 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 at there, and uh, eight games over 500, and they really haven't been healthy all year. They haven't been the complete. They, they, they haven't been the complete, the complete healthy team. Just now, getting it, Jeff it's hard to be back, that way. Right. So you got to keep maintaining. And what you're going to do, you're going to get Yepes. You're going to get uh, young pitchers. Uh, you, you're going to get players coming in and out of the lineup. You know, you're going to get Libertor and those guys in, and they're going to get some valuable experience that come August, September, and hopefully a run in October is going to pay off. Another big thing in sports yesterday curbs the U.S. Open. Matt Fitzpatrick, he wins the U.S. Open. He hit a nine iron that carried around the front bunker. It settled about 18 feet away. It set up a par for two under 68. It made him the major champion for the first time in his professional career in America. We thought that the playoff was looming with Will Zalatoris and Scotty Scheffler, but Matt Fitzpatrick walking away with the U.S. Open championship at the country club. Here he is talking about this victory after he seized it. Yeah, it was massive. Uh, yeah, gen- genuinely, it was massive. I, I felt felt comfortable all week here. Um, I love playing this golf course, and uh, the way it was set up this week just reminded me of, of 2013 when I won the amateur here. And um, for me, that just put me in such a good good frame of mind for the whole week. Uh, I knew that you know if things weren't going my way, I could pull it back. Um, and and you know I know everything about the holes and where to hit it, where not to, and. Um, took advantage of, of that experience, I guess, this week. He's the 13th man curbs to win both the U.S. Amateur and U.S. Open in his career, but only the second to do it on the same course following Jack Nicklaus. Well, and yeah, and third, if when if you throw Julie Inkster in there, who, uh, who, who did it on the women's side. Yes. And it is, it, it was cool. My favorite part about that whole thing was actually afterwards, 
hearing Will Zalatoris talk about him wanting to know what Fitzpatrick's shot was out of the bunker and how that played into his strategy here. And then you just give all the credit to Fitzpatrick for hitting mm-hmm. his spectacular shot. Yes. Because he said what Zalatoris said, what, what, a 1-in-20 shot of getting that thing even on the green and stuff. But how that played into his strategy, and then he misses that putt by just inches uh, to force the playoffs. It was, it was it was dramatic. It was good. It was what the U.S. Open needed. Yes, it is. And, and it's, what, uh, it's what the PGA, and I know it's a USGA event, not a PGA Tour event, but but it is what they needed, that kind of drama and that kind of tournament with all the other junk going on. Yeah, because we're talking about Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick this morning, and we're talking about the actual tournament and not live golf. Well, and the drama of and the, the tournament. And the drama of That's the tournament, right. absolutely. Well, congrats to the Englishman on winning the 2022 U.S. Open. Oh, by the way, the Colorado Avalanche take a 2 nothing lead over the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> That's long from over, I hope. I hope so, too. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to continue our conversation about the St. Louis Cardinals. We're joined by the voice of the Cardinals, Danny Mack. He's going to be here next, so keep it on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Kerrigar and Smallman here on 101 ESPN, 719 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman is with you. Randy Carriker is playing in a golf tournament today, so he's not with us. But For Chris, backstoppers. For backstoppers, yeah. that's right. Kerber's a great cause. Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, as you just heard, here on 101 ESPN, joining us all morning. But let's head to the Browning Group and Celebrity Line and welcome in the voice of the Cardinals on Bally Sports Midwest and our friend here at 101 ESPN. It's Dan McLaughlin. Good morning, Danny Mac. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good morning, guys. How are you? We are doing well. So great to hear from you after the Cardinals weekend series in Boston. First thing from me, Dan, just really tough for Tyler O'Neill to deal with yet another injury. He seemed to really be starting to heat up, and he gets removed in the game last night with that left hamstring. But even though it is the next man up mentality for the Cardinals and they have the depth to overcome a situation like this, we know how Tyler O'Neill can change the complexity of this lineup. Oh, absolutely, and it's uh, it's a big loss for the club just because he was starting to swing the bat so well. He was three for four yesterday. He had a uh, extra base hit. He had a stolen base. He's going to give you Gold Glove defense and left. So, with he was heating up, that uh, that changes and lengthens this lineup for St. Louis. And unfortunately, he goes out. We don't know the uh, severity of the injury. He did travel with the club to Milwaukee. He'll be evaluated by the uh, the team tonight and uh, this afternoon and to, you know, figure out exactly where he's at. But I'm sure there'll be a uh, corresponding move coming up here uh, this afternoon. Dan, Dan, for a guy that is in the kind of shape that Tyler O'Neill is in, and and now that we're, we're finally able to kind of be around these athletes a little bit more and you get like, well, what do you see with his routine, with his with his workouts, with with his with just learning how to take care of the body that's that's going to continue to help the, this guy through because on the field he's an absolute beast and keeping him healthy is important. Well, I'm the last guy to tell him about what to do, so uh, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I made I made a comment earlier about me having about sixty percent body fat right now, so I'm with you. Right, right. So um, you know, to his credit, curbs he actually dropped weight prior to last year. The the club had told him to be a little bit more flexible, maybe to avoid injury. You know, the thing would be for him to to 
basically drop a little weight, and he's done that. And ironically enough, I was talking with somebody uh, just two days ago. We were talking to Tyler at the team hotel, and then he walked away, and we kept talking. And, of course, we're going to talk behind his back. I mean, why wouldn't we do that? <laughs> Naturally. So, uh, he, he walked away, and we both said, man, that guy's just a beast. Like, but he still, you know, he had dropped some weight, but still looks so big. But yet some of the injuries he's had have been like sliding into second head first hurts his hand or hurts his finger. Um, you know, th- this one is more of, okay, he- he's rounding first and the-, the hamstring grabs. And it's just one of those oddities to- of the season where guys get hurt. Now, unfortunately for the club yesterday, the temperatures in Boston were 59 degrees at game time. So it was windy. It was cold. It was cold in the booth. And uh, I made it through injury-free, thank goodness. But uh, some of the players suffered there. And obviously it was Tyler O'Neill. So uh, hopefully they get him back sooner than later, and we'll see what uh, what direction they go. I, I could see a large new bar maybe being a guy that uh, buys them some time. Pretty soon you're going to get Jordan Hicks back here in 10 to 14 days. So, they, you know, slowly but surely they're getting some guys back. Well, I'm glad to hear that you made it out of Boston injury-free, Dan. <laughs> I did. I did. It was, uh, it was touch and go there for a while, but here we are. Good. You're such a gamer. Dan McLaughlin, oh, the voice yeah. of the Cardinals on Valley Sports Midwest, here with us on 101 ESPN. Andre Pallante, Dan, went for the Cardinals yesterday. He got into the sixth. He allowed two runs, four hits. He struck out four, walked just one. What's been your observations of Andre Pallante so far this season? Well, I talked to Ali on the plane uh, here to Milwaukee, and I, I said, I think that's the best he's looked. And that's saying a lot because he's looked really good this year, and, and Ali was in agreement. Um, it was five and two-thirds. It was a lack of walks, which was very, very important for him because it, at some point in time in, in games, he'll run into a rut where wildness hits him a little bit. So I, I think that the main concern I have right now with Palante in the rotation kind of advancing your question and story is who's going to bridge the gap to get you to the big three Whether you're talking about Henesis Cabrera uh, Ryan Helsley uh, and Giovanni Gallegos I mean they've got to find middle relief somewhere and Palante was that guy so if you were down by a run or two or tied or up by a run but a tight game he was able to keep it that way and, and get you to the back end of games and give you a chance to win um, and right now they just don't have that guy so Verhagen coughed it up yesterday and it's unfortunate to see that and I'm sure his role will diminish here until he earns some trust back and on the left side I would think that Zach Thompson his stock is rising as well from the left side to get you to the big three so who's going to fill that gap right now is a real big question for the Cardinals. Okay let me ask you a question along those same lines and I have to frame this carefully because I don't want in in the literal world that sports fans take things that when when Marmol, let it rip. yeah <laughs> when when Marmol was was asked about this and and and, he, and was quoted after the game, he said, "I'm not using Geo down two. He's here to pitch when we're even or ahead." And he goes, "Helsley's here to pitch in high leverage situations, not down two. And and I understand that to some degree. And when we're talking game sixty eight and philosophical, and I'm not going to hold Marmol to that philosophy every single game every year and trying to catch the guy in a trap. But at some point in time, too, if if you're still struggling to find that guy, sometimes you might need to use one of those guys to keep you at two so you can give yourself a chance, don't you think? I think generally speaking, um, yes. I, I think if you're in September, yes. Right. I think in June, no. So um, I, I would put it this way, Curbs, is that they've got to find – 
or someone needs to emerge to be better than the other three. So if if you're taking that point of view, and, and I happen to tend with to agree with you at times, not always on this, is that, so for instance, if, if you're coming up tonight and Christian Yelich, it's in the sixth, and you've got uh, second and third and two outs, it, does it, uh, and, and the Cardinals will go after him. He's not the same guy that he was a few years ago. Is it okay to use Ennis' Cabrera in that spot down by a run? Sure, because you're going to keep the game within one, and then and then all of a sudden, you know, he can give you another inning. Um, those kind of situations, I think, do present itself. But I, I think to the bigger picture, what's going on with the bullpen is that they have to have somebody else emerge. Now, I'll throw a name at you that I, I think will get a shot, and I bet we see him tonight, and that's Johan Oviedo. Mm. And so Johan Oviedo looked better uh, coming out of the bullpen the other di- uh, the other night. Now, my concern with that is that as a starter, he's had a handful of starts where you walk away and you go, man, that guy, he's, he's pretty good. He's getting it done. There have been other times when all of a sudden he starts and you look up and you're down four or five and he doesn't go deep into a game and that's not sustainable for five innings. The other night he came in, uh, the Cardinals were down. They were down by four, I believe, at that time. It was five to one. And he pitched lights out. Then the Cardinals tied the up, tied it up, and all of a sudden pitched lights on. Uh, so it wasn't quite the same guy because I think maybe the tightness of the game got to him. So my point is what I'm trying to say is we're, we're going to find out more about maybe Johan Oviedo, uh, Zach Thompson, and that gives you a couple of weeks to maybe figure this thing out before Jordan Hicks comes back. And, and maybe he's the guy that fills that role to, to bridge the gap and becomes the big four instead of just the big three. Relievers are going to give up runs, though. How, how does how does Marmol judge that youth aspect of having to get in some experiences and even fail from time to time for, and, and build that trust that you are talking about doing while you're still trying to develop? Well, I think he did it with Andre Pallante. You know, uh, I was talking to Ali yesterday in his office about this, and Pallante, if you go back to... Uh, the beginning of the season, there was a game against Miami. Michael has, had pitched really well against Sandy Alcantara, and it was a scoreless game, and, and Miles came out, and uh, the big first baseman of the uh, Marlins, who am I thinking of? Jesus Aguilar, thank you. Um, Jesus Aguilar was up with the game on the line, and Pallante came in and gave him two scoreless innings. So you found out a lot about Andre Pallante in just one appearance. Number one, it's a young guy. Number two, he's got really good stuff. And number three, he's got some guts. And so then they started putting him, you know, in those spots. And I think that's what you do with these guys to try to find out what you have, uh, get them some experience. But, again, remind yourself you're still in June and you're still trying to figure out maybe some of the roles that are are moving forward. I mean, baseball is such a weird game where, and it's the greatest game, in my opinion, no offense, Curbs, where, you know, every night is a, a new chapter in a long book. And I know that's really cliche, yep. <laughs> but everything changes, right? Uh, you know, yesterday, Verhagen coughs it up. You're finding more about him. And some of the things you're finding out, maybe you don't like. So you got to change what you're doing to try to get through and maximize these games. So I, I think you can do a little bit of both of getting guys experience, but also trying to win games at the same time. And I do think that these guys give you a good chance to win. I I really like what I've seen out of Zach Thompson. He's been terrific. And remember, this time last year of how baseball can change very quickly, he's at the pitching lab in in Jupiter, Florida, trying to figure out why his velocity had dipped so far. 
and they got him figured out. Now he's back on track, and now he's pitching with confidence. And a lot of times it, it's such a massive step for guys to go from AAA or the minor leagues to the major leagues, and then all of a sudden it happens, and they have success, and they say, hey, I do belong. I can do this. And they get better and better and better. Some guys don't. Some guys do. And I think we'll find that out in the next couple of weeks. Dan, a new chapter and a long book sounds like the title of the Michael Walker movie because <laughs> no it, it really describes what his career has been up to this point. I want to go back to Friday. He allowed one run on six hits and a walk, five and a third inning. He struck out five. And we always knew Michael Walker had the talent, but we just didn't know if the health would be there. And to see what he's doing for Boston this year, five and one with a 2.28 ERA, it is like a new chapter and a long book. He's been one of the biggest positive surprises of the season i agree with you um and chris will appreciate this at fenway park it's like being at the old uh, maple leaf gardens or some yep. of the older buildings where the uh the gondola you know you guys would be over the ice yep. it's like at fenway we're over uh home plate and so the perspective that we have to see a pitcher is really unique um and i just thought that waka and I was working with Brad Thompson, who really is great on the mechanics of pitching and just picking up things, along with Rick Horton. You know, those two guys just see things so well. And uh, we all were talking about, like, after the first inning, I was like, man, is the ball just coming out of his hand or what? And I don't know anything. These guys know pitching. And they're like, yep, you're right. And I was like, oh, okay, I feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> so uh, Waka had it coming out. And it, it was, like, even his arm, like, just – Sometimes you watch how I call it just whipping. I mean, how you whip the ball and how you're able to get arm action. He had great arm action the other night. Ball was jumping out of his hand. He got a very good changeup. And uh, I couldn't be happier for one of my favorite guys when he was in St. Louis. He was thoughtful. He was great with fans. He was kind. And I can tell you, he worked his tail off to be out there every fifth day. He, he generally has had a shoulder issue Every year he's been in the big leagues. Um, that first year he got in the big leagues, he took the baseball world by storm in the NLCS. But then after that, uh, it was shoulder issues. And he would do all kinds of stuff behind the scenes of, of just uh, the shoulder exercises and trying to get uh, length out of that in terms of, of flexibility and build up strength. So to see the kind of career he's put together, it's, uh, it's a credit to him. And I'm really happy for him, guys. All right, so we're only about 12, 13 games away from the midway point of the season. It's it's June 20th. What what are you excited most about a series between the Cardinals and the Brewers that, that go into this series, both tied atop the division? Well, the first thing I think of, Curbs, is tonight's matchup. That makes me excited. Uh, Michaelis and Corbin Burns. Now, I would not anticipate that Michaelis goes very deep in this game coming off the, the near-no-hitter the other day and close to 130 pitches. So I would guess, this is just a guess, I would bet. I would say 75 to 85 pitches, and they're going to get him out of there. But if Miles is Miles, that's pretty efficient. You know, he's, he's a guy that with 75, 85 pitches, you can beat through six innings. So that's, uh, that's the number one thing that excites me. Number two is that you have four innings, I'm sorry, four games, and I, I was thinking about covering five or four innings, yep. but you have four games in which, you know, first place is on the line. And uh, this place will be rocking. I mean, Milwaukee's got great fans. That's the one thing that they do that the Cardinals uh, can appreciate is that they get behind their team. So I would anticipate that this would be a, a really good crowd. I would imagine that we'll have Cardinal fans there, so that makes it fun. But this is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be these two teams uh, all season long going back and forth. 
and I'll be fascinated to see what the Cardinals do going back to the original point. Uh, big games, first place on the line, albeit before the midway point of the season, but what are you going to do with your bullpen? So if Miles Michaelis is only giving you you know five innings tonight, how do you cover it to get to the other guys? And so that'll be one of the storylines coming out of this series. And I think the other thing is, is that Nolan Arenado is starting to swing the bat well. Um, I think he was hitless yesterday, but uh, Ollie had told me going into the series with Boston, he said, you guys ever have a pick to click? And I said, sure. He goes, okay, what is it? And I said, right here. I said, what do you got? And he said, uh, he goes, take Nolan Arenado. He's ready to go off. And so he did that, I thought, over the weekend. He looked different. Uh, He's letting the ball get deep. He's taking the ball the other way. Um, I'm anticipating a big series out of Nolan. Well, we'll be watching. First pitch tonight is at 710, the Cardinals and the Brewers. Great stuff, as always, from Dan McLaughlin. Thanks so much, Danny Mack. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, guys. Have a great morning. Thanks. Thank you, Danny Mack. And by the way, Michael Waka, who we just discussed, is going to be joining us later in the show, 930. Yeah, cool. Can't wait to talk to Michael Waka, who is putting together a great new chapter in Boston. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to give you our three things that we loved from the sports weekend in St. Louis and nationally. That's next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and Chris Kerber here with you. And as always, Kerbs, on a Monday, there's just so much to get to. It's Oh, yeah. It's always a jammed show, and we definitely leave stuff on the cutting room floor because... Mm-hmm. We had three days of sports to consume during the weekend. So let's get into it. Let's give our three things that we loved from the weekend. Would you like to go first? Okay. Uh, first thing, I love the fact that the Cardinals, and I don't remember exactly when they did it, but I love the fact that they brought back the Powder Blues. Yes. Okay. And I, I and Gorgeous. so sit, watching, have, you've been to Fenway, I'm sure. I have, you yes. Have. Okay. If, if fans haven't. I mean, it's. I love going to games. There have been a, a ton of games at Fenway Park. But uh, so whether it be balls getting launched over the green monster, the atmosphere in there, but the powder blues at Fenway Park was absolutely one of my favorites. Number two for me, last night's uh, AHL game, the the Thunderbirds winning in overtime. They're down two in the third period. Come from behind. This is a key thing. And game two of that Calder Cup final is tonight. Young players in your organization that have a chance to win a championship uh, is so big for their development. And veteran guys like James Neal and those that are helping bring these guys through. So like what Dakota Joshua is learning right now could be huge for a guy that may be on uh, the, the Blues' bottom six next year. So uh, that, to me, was number two. And number three, I'm going to give some mad props out there to to, to Michael Herbig and uh, the folks over at Glen Echo Country Club because they've got that course in some fantastic shape. And, uh, and 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 it was a lot of fun to play over the weekend. So props to those guys. I love that. Those are three good things. And you're so right, though, about these young players in the blue system getting a taste of what it means to be a champion. That's very important for oh, the development. I'm, t- I'm going to tell you, James Neal, who, who, I mean, he had to go down there and probably bite some ego and, oh, and yeah. realize, you know, and, and he's still working because he wants to play more. His leadership and that, that veteran aspect of, of what can be brought to the table but even for a guy like him to go through this is going to be something special if they can win this thing. 
we speak to David Prawn weekly here on Character yep. and Smallman during the blue season, and he always spoke very highly of James Neal and about the veteran presence that he brought to the Blues when he was up with the And Joey, who was team. one of his teammates, does the same. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's people like that who are really good leaders that impact a team and an organization in a lot of ways that we don't necessarily talk about or give enough props to. But think about how many people he's probably impacting that are going to help the Blues have success in the future. We can we can save this for a, another segment a little later in the show, but the bottom line is you cannot develop a winning culture without veteran players bringing young guys along. And if you try to do it without those veteran guys like the Edmonton Oilers, the Buffalo Sabres, and some of these other teams in the NHL trade, it takes you a long, long time to turn your culture around. Like when Doug Armstrong brought in guys like Jamie Langenbrunner, Arnott, and those guys to help bring the Bacchuses, Oshies, and those guys, the Berglunds, along. It, it was a huge help. And so don't, no, never underestimate what the impact of a guy like James Neal could have on a Dakota Joshua or any of these other guys that could come up. Looking forward to seeing if they can capture the cup. All right, Curbs, I'm going to start with this. We actually talked about this last week, Randy and I did, about Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina both saying publicly it was going to be their final season playing in baseball and for the St. Louis Cardinals. And we were wondering why they weren't getting the Derek Jeter treatment, why they weren't getting this big, grand farewell tour the way that Derek Jeter did or that Mariano Rivera did. Because these are two legends in the game, two slam dunk Hall of Famers, and two guys who, every bit as great as those two others you mentioned. Who have yeah. earned the right to have a farewell tour. So I was really pleased to see that Albert Pujols got the, the gesture that he did from the Boston Red Sox. So David Ortiz made a surprise appearance. Xander Bogarts was there. Rafael Devers, Michael Waka. They brought Albert Pujols out and they gave him the number five from the Green Monster. I thought that was such an amazing gift and a really classy move by the Boston Red Sox organization to honor Albert Pujols that way. Just it, it comes but always down to just respecting the game. Yes. You know, no player, no player, no manager, no broadcaster, no no front office person is ever bigger than the game because we've got nothing without the games itself. So I, I love the fact that they did that. I love how they did it. And how cool was that embrace between Poppy and Pujols? I mean Big Poppy just seemed so excited to be out there to do this for him. He did. And, and think, so I, I thought it was a really special moment. I was bummed that Yachty couldn't be there, too, because they gave him the number four. They did. Uh, they, they but gave, he's obviously But obviously not there. on the IL, he couldn't be there. But a really, really cool moment, I thought. I got to tell you, though, I saw David Ortiz, and it was before a Cardinals game, and I kind of shuddered a little because I was like, is he going to suit up? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Anytime I see Big Poppy, it's a, it's a little bit of bad memories, a bad taste in my mouth. Verhagen could have gotten him out. Yeah, right. <laughs> he could have. Please, I don't think anybody could have gotten Poppy out the way he was swinging it. No, in I mean, I mean, if well, now, maybe. now, if he had to oh, just dress now? him now, yes. If that's a take it or leave it, I'm gonna leave it. I'm still gonna if put my money put on Poppy. Poppy. Okay, save over it. Drew Verhagen. Nick, oh, we already just gave it away. Yeah, no, no, no wait. All right, I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw a take it or leave it next segment. For you on that <laughs> okay, one. because okay. Right. maybe it's because. I always think when someone shows you who they are, believe them. And Big Poppy has shown me many times who he is. So I'm going to believe him. Even if he's wearing street clothes and he's got the <laughs> chains on, I think he could take Drew Verhagen deep. If he were to Come walk on. right from that mound after hugging Pujols into the locker room, put on the Red Sox uniform, 
stretch for a little bit. I don't even think he needs the laundry. Come I don't out. think he needs to stretch. Okay, could he take? He could take anybody deep, but no. I don't think it happens in that at bat. I, if you're telling no me Adam Wainwright versus Poppy in this stage, I'm taking Wayno. If you're telling me Drew Verhagen versus Poppy, I'm gonna in take a one Poppy. At bat. And that's no disrespect. It's Roy Hobbs I mean versus the Big respect. Bopper or whatever that. What did they What did they call the Babe Ruth character in The Natural? What was remember that? Uh, I don't know. Oh man, Roy Hobbs versus. Uh, uh, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. You keep, remember, keep going because you got a, you got another one or two. I remember on your in list. Sandlot they called him Baby Ruth. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> okay, my second thing, and we just spoke about this a little bit the with whammer. Danny. The Whammer. The That's Whammer. That's it. Thank you. There you go. Yep. The Whammer. Uh, we just spoke about this with Danny Mac, but Michael Walker, who is going to join us later in the show at nine thirty, looking forward to speaking to him. It's just amazing, Curbs, to see him healthy again. Because how many of us never thought that we were going to see this version of Michael Waka again? Not because there was a lack of talent and not because there was a lack of effort on his part. But some players, regardless of all of that, just can't get consistently healthy. And we thought Michael Waka, unfortunately, was going to fall into that pile. And he would always be a big what if. So to see him not only playing against the Cardinals for the Red Sox, but going out there pitching so sharply against them, being 5-1 and one on the season with a 2.28 ERA. I know it was at the... The Cardinals had to suffer a loss in that game, but it just brought me a lot of joy this weekend to get to have eyes on Michael Walker and have him watch him having success. Sometimes do we stay infatuated with former athletes of our teams? Maybe. But when they were good guys, treated people well, wore the uniform well you pull for them and injuries are just part of the game and some guys can't stay healthy you know to 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 go on consistent runs and you hope that when they finally do if they do they they get a chance to show their stuff and he's doing it so you have to feel good for him and be happy for him for sure i'm still not happy that i mean you wanted to beat him oh you definitely wanted wanted to beat beat him him, but i'm glad he had that performance i wish the cardinals would have beat him in that performance yeah but he, he just is a guy that we always thought would be the next in line. The way that yes. Chris Carpenter passes passed the baton to Adam Wainwright. We thought Adam Wainwright was going to pass the baton to Michael Waka. And because of the shoulder and because of the injuries, it just didn't happen for him here in St. Louis. But I'm really happy that it is happening for him at this stage in his career. So I was hosting a show on another station years ago when the Cardinals drafted him. Oh, wow. And right after they drafted him, oh, within an hour or so, we had him as a guest on the show. And I remember doing the interview with him at the time and him just talking about how excited he was, the opportunity, and him even at that point understanding the team and what it meant to be a Cardinal or, or what he thought it meant you know, at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so you know that th- there was so much of him giving it his all, you know, that that was going to be there. And you did think that, yeah, you're right, he – he was going to be your next one to take over after Carpenter turns it over to Wainwright. Wainwright turns it over to Waka. And then maybe there'd be eventually with this Waka Flaherty tandem Correct. that goes for a while. And just, you know, injuries, contracts, life just doesn't always go that way. No, it doesn't. Um, but one thing we do want to go the way it's supposed to go is Nolan Arnato, And that rounds out my okay. favorite things from the weekend. Not so much yesterday, but Friday and Saturday, Nolan Arnato starting to really turn it on. He had two hits in both of those games, a home run in both of those games, Curbs. And we need Nolan Arnato to get hot, hot, hot in the second half. So it's good to see him really starting to turn those jets on. 
whether it be Arenado, Goldschmidt, Molina when he's in there. When you're when you're playing as many quote unquote young players as the Cardinals are and relying on them, there are going to be stretches where those veteran guys are going to have to carry the team. Flat out have to carry the team. Because you're going to be dealing with growing pains, some other kinds of slumps. Now, here's the deal. Whether you're, whether you're one of those veteran players, whether you are or not, or whether you are Goldschmidt, you are going to hit some slumps mm-hmm. in his way. But I wouldn't worry about that guy at all because you know he brings the effort, the work ethic, the experience, and those guys pull themselves out of slumps when they have to. They find a way. They find a way. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. And those were the three things that we love from the weekend in sports. Coming up next, get your texts into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for a little take it or leave it. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Smallman, Chris Kerber with you here on 101 ESPN on this Monday morning. It's time for Take It or Leave It, so get your text in right now to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Kerbs, all-important series with the Cardinals and the Brewers starts tonight. Miles Michaelis on the mound for the Cards, but I want to jump ahead to tomorrow night's game with Jack Flaherty on the mound. The first outing we saw from Jack returning from injury, not exactly what we hoped. He was the first to say after the game, my command wasn't there, but I was really amped up. He's like, I haven't been that juiced in a while. I had to really take a breather and calm myself down. Take it or leave it. You're going to see a much improved version of Jack Flaherty tomorrow night now that those nerves are out of his system. I'm going to take it. I think uh, when you come back from injury, you are amped up. You are hyped up. You probably try to do a little bit more than you need to do. And that impacts things there. So I'm, I'm going to take that. I think you'll see a much better outing. I think you need to see a much better outing. And maybe there may... Well, you were talking about Arenado in that last segment. I'm not so sure that Jack Flaherty doesn't become or isn't the single most important St. Louis Cardinal, that you need to start seeing some real consistency out of him. You you need to see like one of these, you know, seven to ten consecutive starts where you're really good in most of them. You, you know, like you're good for you're good for eight out of ten straight starts. Maybe oh. you have one egg in there. Like like I, you're at the point now where you like okay, let's let's assume he's healthy. So I'm gonna just make sure that he's healthy. I get that part. Absolutely, maybe the most important player for me that that has to start showing some real strong consistency and results. Like, become the dominant player he should be. If you get second half of 2019, Jack Flaherty, it changes everything. Everything. But I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's realistic to expect that because that was so dang good. I don't expect that either. Okay. But, but if you even get, but you've got to get it. some kind of. You're right. You've got to get some level of consistency there. And that consistency, by the way, comes in not only what he's doing on the mound, but it comes in staying healthy too. And yeah. and there is there is that part of it. So uh, because I mean, let's face it, his consistency and his health is 
kind of the linchpin to the future, the, the, the immediate future of this pitching staff. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, you don't want, look, if you, assuming the Cardinals make the playoffs, even now, even now, is is you're still going, Jack Flaherty should be your game one starter. If you have a chance to set it up, I'm Even, always going away now. I, I under, well, I understand that, and I understand why. Okay, but that's not the way it's supposed to be right now. It is not supposed to be that way. But I so Jack Flaherty needs to take it. I I that's hope what I'm he saying makes there. me change my mind. We'll put it that way, because right now I don't. There's few people on this team I trust more than Adam Wainwright, and in a game one playoff scenario or maybe a play-in game, I'm going 50 all day every there day. There is no pitcher on this team you trust. More than Adam Wainwright. Right. Because he's proven it. Correct. He's understood it, and he's still finding a way to be success. Jack Flaherty, it is time for Jack Flaherty to make it happen. And now, health, obviously, if he gets healthy, he can get that, can you know, get in there every, and get those routines going again, you're, you're, you're fine. But that's one of the keys. I, I still think he's, he's got to be that guy. He does. Do you have a take it or All leave right, it? Yeah, I got to take it or leave it, but it's going to be a little bit different. Okay, I want to Take hear it, it or leave it. You cannot... Knock on your neighbor's door and borrow their lawnmower because yours is broken for a third consecutive week. Oh, that's a really good I'm one. Giving you two weeks to get the. And by the way, I'm the one that's borrowing the lawnmower, so this okay. is not. They have not so come to my di- door. It's a diss against okay? yourself. I'm just wondering. I'm like, okay, I might have to go to this other neighbor. Like, I've, I've used this guy's, and I'm going to use this because I just haven't figured out which lawnmower I need to. I got to go get a push. I might stop at the place across the street here after the show. But I got I got to figure this. I've, I've done I've done my research, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, the one I've got, I've taken it apart, I've repaired it, and 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 I could. But it's time to upgrade or time to get a new one. But you cannot borrow the same lawnmower from the same neighbor more than two weeks in a row. I'm taking that You're because taking that? week one, sure, neighbor, come over. To, uh, we all have things that repair that malfunction. places can take two weeks. That's why I repair said places yeah. can take two weeks. After week three, I'm like, what do you want the garage code? I mean, are so you? So I get the third week. Do you want the weed whacker too? No, after week three, I'm starting to be like, come on, dude, what's oh. going on? But you're still going to let me borrow it for the third week. Probably because you're my neighbor and I don't want to upset you. But I'm definitely going inside to my significant other and being like, can you believe this guy? Week three? Didn't even offer to put any gas in it? No, no, that's not. Okay. (laughs) If you borrow somebody's power tools that are gas powered. Yes. You've got to refill them. You return them with a full tank. It's like a rental car. Return it with a full tank. That seems like the rule. Yeah. Okay. That's a rule. Well, I still think you should probably go ahead and make that purchase for the new mower. It'll make you feel great, too. It's like a a new toy. You'll want to mow the lawn. I'm I'm about to leave town. I'm like, I could almost get a few more weeks out of this. Can you rent one? I don't need to rent one. I just got to ask my neighbor to call if I could borrow theirs. <laughs> well, you know there's what? An entire there's street like, of lawnmowers. There's literally like three or four neighbors that I could borrow. Like I could get a whole month of borrowing someone's lawnmower. I understand your okay, conundrum here. With without having to repeat neighbors. So if I did this, I could actually probably get two months <laughs> of and only use each one twice. And then it's fall, and you and don't need it. It's September. And, you might not see even need what I mean? to. I might not I mean, need to. Now this is a, that is a March twenty twenty three issue because I know should... I know somebody that did this by the way. Okay. Okay. All right. If you are going out shopping for a push more, and you think ah you know what you know and you think you're going to cut the corner by not getting the the self powered or the auto powered ones. Yeah. Right. You're an idiot. Like I, I know somebody that did this recently, and I don't care how small your yard is. Like so, what happened is on the one that I have the uh, the transmission broke, so I took it apart. You know, went on, got the manual. I can build these things a little bit, so I I'm messing with it. But uh, 
after using one of those self-propelled push mowers, go try and like do one without that for a while. If you think saving the fifty bucks on a model is is worth it because you don't you don't think you need that self-propelled, oh hell with that. Like you 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 fit to fit in the category of of dumb because you need that self-propelled part of the lawnmower. So a lot of people texting in about this and they're saying that this has happened to them, but that their neighbor that borrowed their lawnmower also mowed their lawns. Yes, that's a I do that. Yes, I've done that. So you could get away with this and say, I'm going out of town in a month. I don't want to make this purchase until next year. Let me continue to borrow. But here is a six pack of Bud Light. You relax, buddy. I'm going to mow your lawn for you. That's fair. There you go. There's your That's solution. Fair. And it's it's definitely Beer easier because it is labor. self-propelled. There you go. <laughs> so you okay. can walk with one hand on it. Well, let's get to some text on the Air Comfort Service text line a couple quickly. 65780. Matt, what do you have for us? Take it or leave it. Point. It'll be better for the Avalanche to sweep the Lightning and know the Blues were the only team to beat them than for the Lightning to make this a series in 5, 6, or 7. Leave it. I want to see seven games. Yeah, leave it. I leave definitely it. want the Lightning to get back in this thing. And I want them to win it. Me too. Yeah, so leave it. Yeah, leave I'm not, it. I'm not giving up hope yet that I don't that I don't have to watch Stan Kroenke lift a second championship. You know what? This is this is going to be a chance. Well, I guess you know. Straight up nine o'clock. We'll talk in some good detail about the Stanley Cup final because there, there's so many good stories. Actually, some of these players with Colorado that I'm all, I'm almost starting to waver, saying uh, if I have to deal with Stan winning it, they're pretty good. I'll throw up and then be happy for the players. Don't you feel like it after it happened with the Rams, having it happen with the Avalanche is just kind of anticlimactic? I could because of our broadcast location in uh, in in Game Five out there. I, I could not. Uh, I couldn't see the three Nathan McKinnon goals, and it's all because Stan Kroenke took over the press box. Oh my gosh! Cut half the press box not off surprising. and made it his own suite. Not surprising. No, and how many worse. times is he ever even there? I don't know. He make him no. He literally comes down from his condo and literally walks right into this massive sweep. But it took up half the press box, so now they have no. Oh, space so that was it. just Rams Park. He never went to. It, it might have yeah. been just Rams yeah, okay. Park. Okay. Do we have one more, Matt? Yeah, sure. Take it or leave it. Big Poppy still gives me PTSD every time I see him. Oh, take it for sure. Take it. Absolutely take it. Every time I see him, Curbs, I shudder a little. I'm like, oh, there he is. Every time I even see him, I just want to scream, "Walk him!" Even if he's on the broadcast for Fox and he's on the set with A-Rod and he's in a suit, I, I'm like, oh, Poppy. Oh, I, I leave it because I get excited when I see him. You get excited? I, what, excited for him to awesome, hit another home oh, run off the Cardinals? Yeah. Or what? Listen, it happens, but what an amazing feat. And but see, so, here's the thing, Kurt. It shouldn't have happened. They shouldn't have pitched to him. It shouldn't have happened. Yep. You can walk the guy. It's always available. Should, should not have happened. Should have, would have, could It wasn't our decision to make, so we might as well enjoy the ride. I didn't. I did not enjoy that ride. That and, was a ride I wanted to get off of, and I wanted well, I to get off of it that. and scream, "Stop pitching to him!" That, that, I'm screaming, "Stop pitching yeah. to him!" And I'm still on the ride. But isn't he one of those athletes that you feel good about because he's just a no. great personality? No, I'm gonna go ahead and say no. No. In no? the mo- in moments, yes, but I mean, I, I I'll never forget 13. Also, I mean, he, he beat the tar out of no four. Okay. Two. We don't have time in this segment, but I've, I'm, I'm going to hijack another segment at some point in this hour Can't wait. Or, or this show, and I'm, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a rivalry scenario relating to players at you, and I'll see where you sit on. Oh, this. I can't wait for that. Okay, That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. That's coming up later in the show. But coming up next, a lot of important decisions for Doug Armstrong and the Blues to make this off season. We're going to do a rapid fire edition of Need or Want, and take a look at some guys that may or may not be with the Blues coming up. That's here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 
ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. In life, it's important to distinguish between need and want. You think you want something because you've been conditioned to want it. I want the pop! I want You on 101 ESPN. It's 810 in St. Louis. That, tra- that time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And since we have Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN, hanging out with us all morning, we're going to take advantage of that. And this is a really interesting and tough offseason for the blues. Kerbs, a lot of big decisions that Doug Armstrong is going to have to make. So we play a little game here on Carriker and Small called Need or Want when looking at some of these, yes. these potential moves that the blues will have to make this offseason. Some decisions that they'll have to make okay do i hit a button or something that rings something or no i just we you do not we're not that detailed i was gonna say normally okay. randy has this board here where yeah. he fires okay. off all his sounders when he wins the fight <laughs> but since he's not here today <laughs> the board is not here so i don't have the sounders who's doing a fight to wave today by the way it's up to you Are you're you the guest on me you can do it i'll do it if you want to give a win to somebody that, so we right, it's we'll, up to you I'll, you know I'll, I'll rock paper scissors you for it I'm sneaky good at rock, paper, okay. scissors. All right. Sounds out. good. All right. Sneaky good. All right. All right. It's actually, I was just going to give away a secret and I'm not going to do <laughs> well, that. Well, don't do that. I'm not going to do play. that. Right. Okay. Uh, I am good at rock, paper, scissors. I am not good at keeping things close to the vest. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, need or want curves. There's four guys on the board. I'm going to pull one down, present it to you. First guy, Ville Husso. Do the Blues need him or want him? I think you just, you want him. You know he's an unrestricted free agent. You hitched your horse to Jordan Bennington with that six-year contract. I think Jordan uh, regained his mojo. So knowing also, too, what you've got, Joe Hofer's played really well this year. A little more seasoning maybe for him. Uh, I think that uh, that is definitely more of a want than a need in this case. And you didn't even mention Chucky Sideburns. Yeah, I don't, you know, that's a, <laughs> so he's a real interesting one. And I know we'll talk to Ryan Smith, who is the Thunderbirds play-by-play guy in our next segment. So that, that's coming up in about 10 minutes for you. But I, um, he's, he's a real interesting one because in talking to some people with him, there's certain metrics that they wonder about. Does it work up here? Mm. And yet he found a way to be successful. So I, I don't know if they'd be completely comfortable with him sliding into that backup role. I just, and and also what what makes me think that is, I just don't know if they'd be comfortable with their overall goaltending depth. Mm. And and I can take you all the way back to when the Blues decided to trade Ben Bishop. Um, Because the reason that it was, the reason they went with Brian Elliott versus Ben Bishop was Halak was so bad in training camp. Elliott had about 100 games of NHL experience and Ben Bishop did not. They went with experience and that was Doug Armstrong. So I I, I, I just got to think that if Huso goes somewhere else, they might be looking at a veteran backup more so than just turning it over to one of those guys. They felt that Huso was ready for it um, and Huso played really well for this team. I don't know yet. I haven't asked this question about it. I don't know if they think that, that um, Charlie Lindgren or Hofer are ready to make that step. I don't know. So that, that's a question we'll have to ask, and we'll, we'll get to find a little bit more. And he's coming up next. Ryan Smith, the play-by-play yeah. voice for the Springfield Thunderbirds, coming up next on 101 ESPN. Next guy, 
taking off the board. Need or want curbs? Nick Letty. Again, I'm going to put uh, I'm going to put a want on that one. You're going to have because of cap reasons to find yourself the the right guy. Now maybe he is that guy, but I think there may be other either unrestricted free agents that could be younger you will look at or another veteran guy to play that role because you just don't have a whole lot of space. You still have Scandell under contract for a couple years, so that I could see as a want, not a need. Next guy, David Perron. Do the Blues want him or need him? Need. Need. That was quick. Need. I, I, I don't know who. I can't. I can't tell you who replaces him. I mean, unless unless there's a deal to be made for a younger player, you know, to, to, to play the wing. But even then, I, I just I consider the Blues to be still in this championship window. I, I, and and I'm not just drinking the Kool Aid here. I re- look so far they're the only team to have beaten Colorado in this postseason. I still think had they been able to get past Colorado and healthy, I think they could have. Maybe maybe they didn't. Maybe they wouldn't have. I don't know. But healthy, they would have had a much better chance. They sure. they took them to six, and and you know, in that game six, lost with five seconds left, uh, and without their hot goalie, and, and without and without without their 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 you know their their goaltender that was playing with his mojo again. So I I still think they're in that championship window. And to me, David Perron is is an absolute key part of that course. So uh, yeah, he's. He's in need for me. He, He's going to settle down that second and that third line because you're still going to slot him in with Ryan O'Reilly. All right, last one, Curbs. Yep. Do the Blues need or want Vladimir Tarasenko? Yeah, we saved the, the hardest oh, one for last. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go want. I'm going <laughs> to wow. go want. Wow, wow. I'm going to go want. Yeah. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko still has, and I thought he had such a terrific season, was a, a great player for the Blues this year. He still has that bil- the ability to change that game on a dime. Yes. And I said that to Joe Vitale during the second intermission before he scored that hat trick in Minnesota. And and I and and, and Vladdy had had been kind of invisible a bit in that game. And I said I said, but Joe, I said Joe, I'm telling you, this is the kind of game where Vladdy, like in one shot, can turn a game. And they don't. I don't think they have anybody else quite like that. It's just I. I just don't know. Having not taught, you know, I don't know where his head is at. And so, if his head is, I still want to go elsewhere. Then he becomes a want. If he wants to stay, okay. Then then, then it could become a need because you're dealing with a different scenario there. I don't have enough inside information yet to handicap that one for you, so I apologize. I'm vague on that no, one. I'm that's just being honest with you on that one. I don't. I, I don't appreciate know where the Vla- I don't know. I don't know where Vladdy's head is on that. Here's the thing: when I think about need or want, I think first need because, or excuse me, first I think want because the Blues do have a lot of depth offensively. They have a lot of guys who can score, but I think, gosh. 82 points, 34 goals. That's a lot of production you're going to have to make up for if he's not on the team. So in the cap era, you, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. There, there's no arguing that. I mean, look, the, the first player to get to 80 points since Pavel Dimitra. Mm-hmm. Um, you, but there's a difference. You need the offense. Do you need the player? And you could find the offense with a different player, perhaps. Can you? Well, can you? Perhaps. I don't know. I mean, so, <laughs> you know, I mean, it looked like Jordan Cairo was trending to be an 80-point player. 
Like Robert Thomas was trending to potentially be an 80-point player. Do you have to? Like, if you are going to move these guys up into top six roles full-time, they're going to have to take somebody's spot. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to punt that one down the road for another couple weeks, Michelle, and let's circle back on that on one of our Monday morning hits. How's that sound? That sounds great because it's going to be an enduring question for a few weeks. I'm going to buy some time on that one. (laughs) I don't blame you because it's really hard. You could make a really, really strong argument either way. I'm just backing away from the microphone right about now. I just think we're so... You can't hear me. We're so quick to... To get rid of him. No, I'm not quick to get rid of no, him. No, not you, this but so a, many so many people because they want Matthew Kachuk curbs. They're thinking, let's yeah, get rid of the salary. Not, you may not get him. That's true. And Okay, and there's a lot to be decided. Matt's, I know Matt's stressing out because we're, we're running late. You may not get him. And and so, uh, look, that guy's been a hell of a player for the St. Louis Blues. Yes, he has. He's been a, He's been a terrific player since he got here. I, I, I'm banking this on I don't know what his personal wants are right now. That's why I'm stuck on that. That's good. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, the Springfield Thunderbirds are competing in the Calder Cup Finals. We are going to talk about it with their play-by-play voice, Ryan Smith. He's next, so keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. He carries through center, handing to Buchnevich, right back to Thomas, spinning between the leg feet. Tarasenko scores! What a feed from Thomas to Tarasenko! In one motion, he spins to his forehand, beats Swayman, blocker side. Blues retake the lead, 3-2 with 1.48 left in the second. Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and Chris Kerber with you this morning. And that was the voice of Ryan Smith. He's the play-by-play voice for the Springfield Thunderbirds. That's when he was uh, doing some play-by-play for the St. Louis Blues with Chris Kerber. And Ryan joins us right now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Ryan, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. It is uh, hard to be... Anything less than elated after the way yesterday went. Absolutely. Well, the Calder Cup Finals, the Springfield Thunderbirds, and the Chicago Wolves, the Thunderbirds take it four to five in overtime, right? And just kind of take us through your emotions in calling that game. Well, the weirdest thing of it all, uh, to be perfectly honest, and I was talking with a few people from our staff and our team about it yesterday, even when the Thunderbirds fell behind 4-2 immediately into the third period, I never felt worried. For some reason, the way this team has bounced back and been resilient all year, I never thought for even a moment, not even 4-2 down on the road against the top team in the American League, I never thought for a moment they were out of the game. And they clearly felt the same way because they got one right back, eventually tied the game with the goaltender, pulled, got the overtime winner from a rookie defenseman who hasn't even played 30 games professionally yet. It's just... There's something special that I can't put my finger on about this team that now has them back in the driver's seat with home ice advantage in the finals and three wins away from uh, the first Calder Cup in the history of the Blues time in the American Hockey League. I, I love the fact, Ryan, uh, first off, good to talk with you, my man. I hope you're having, I know you're having a blast, so this is great. Um, I, I threw this out on Twitter a, a few days ago. Just because of the history of it, not not just the history, but how much I love these guys. But so the last time the St. Louis Blues top minor league affiliate won a championship was when Bobby Plager 
won it in the International Hockey League with the Peoria Rivermen and Kelly Chase and Tony Twist and Nelson Emerson and and that entire team uh, that that they had there in Peoria. But at the same time, that same year, the Springfield Indians won the Calder Cup. That's the last time a Springfield franchise, they went from the Indians to the Falcons to the Thunderbirds. That's the last time a Springfield franchise won the Calder Cup and Jimmy Roberts Bobby's teammate and and the first ever blue, you know, coached that team. So it's been that kind of a long run. And and this was a franchise that you guys last year did not play because of COVID. So a, a special run going there. What has the atmosphere in Springfield been like? And and has have the fans kind of you know come out of the woodworks for you all? Yeah, and the support is there in Springfield. It might only be a city of about 150 K at the most, but man, do they know how to show out and show the love for their team? It's been a charter member of the American hockey league, as you know, for the better part of uh, 85 plus years. And it's been so obvious from the very start of this season, the first year of the T-Birds affiliation with the blues, that there's just been something different this year. And we felt it from the very beginning. Maybe it was partially due to all the time people had to wait to get a team back after not playing last year due to COVID. Uh, Maybe it was partially that. Maybe it was uh, new players, a new roster, uh, sort of new blood infused into it all. Uh, A great combination of veteran leaders and young prospects on the rise. And it has just been uh, better than anything we could have dreamed. Uh, I think we knew early on that we were going to have a playoff team. I don't know how realistic we thought early on this team could do the things that they're doing right now all the way into the Calder Cup finals but with each passing win in these playoffs we're just hearing about it more and more and more after we clinched the Eastern Conference title I believe the next day I think we had generated something to the tune of $80,000 worth of tickets sold to games three four and five of the Calder Cup finals within 24 hours well that's great so if, if that's any sign, now the home ice advantage is back in Springfield. It's likely going to be three sold-out barns at the old Civic Center, now, of course, the Mass Mutual Center. And the Wolves, I don't know if the Wolves know what they're in for when this series goes back to Springfield on Wednesday. Ryan Smith, the play-by-play voice of the Springfield Thunderbirds, which are the Blues AHL affiliate, with us here on 101 ESPN, talking about the Calder Cup Finals between the Thunderbirds and the Chicago Wolves. Now, Ryan, Curbs and I were talking about this earlier in the show. A familiar name at the, with the Thunderbirds right now is James Neal, who's been really contributing in a lot of different ways. What has it been like for this team to have a veteran presence like James Neal in the fold? Well, what I've told people about Nealer is... Everything you think you know about an NHL veteran who's played almost 900 games in the show, two Stanley Cup final appearances, the assumption I'm sure everybody makes is, why on earth does he want to play in the American Hockey League at this stage of his career? He must be miserable down there. Could not possibly be further from the truth. Ever since he's arrived, there's been a camaraderie between James and this entire team. He's brought in that experience that... Not that this team didn't already have a boatload of American Hockey League experience, but he sort of brought in that extra bit of life that's been infused into everything. And people forget, uh, James Neal's still looking for his first professional title. Yeah, He was in the Stanley Cup final twice, but he lost both times. And I'm sure he would love me bringing that up to him at any point. <laughs> but 
he has just been a consummate pro with these guys. What a great resource for young prospects, especially, to lean on. For guys like Hugh McGing, like Nikita Alexandrov, young guys up and down this lineup, what a great presence to learn from someone who's been to the very top, someone who's been an all-star in the NHL, someone who has been so, so close to lifting the Stanley Cup, and someone who has years' worth of experience that you can draw from. And he has been a huge, and not just for what he does on the ice, he's been a huge piece to what has allowed this team to go on this run in the playoffs. Hey, the Blues acquired Will Bitten from Minnesota, and I know he's had a huge player. He had the, he had the four goals in the one game, so he's got seven goals in the playoffs, but he's got 12 points in 14 games. Now, here's a guy that, being right now in his, what, his, his fifth season in, in the American Hockey League, is he still a player you think that has the ability to make the jump up? Well, I'll tell you what. He has got some eyeballs on him now, that is for sure. He talked about it when the trade was made. He kind of had hit, I guess, more or less the end of his line with the Minnesota organization. And you could feel it as soon as he arrived in Springfield that uh, he was ready for a fresh start. Kind of the same way Charlie Lindgren was looking for a fresh start uh, from Montreal to St. Louis. And ever since Will has arrived, he has, no matter what role he has been asked to play, he has just been uh, un. There's no word to describe how vital he has been to this run. He is the type of player that if you're an opponent, it just drives you mad. It's like having gnats all over you, and no matter what you do, whacking and swatting and running away and trying to get underwater, no matter where you are, they always seem to find a way to be up in your hair and in your face and in your eyes, driving you insane. And that's the best way I can describe Will Bitten as a hockey player. He's not, I wouldn't call him Brad Marchand level test goon-like in that way, but he's someone who finds a way to, uh, the running joke with us is that he finds a way to accidentally on purpose find a way to end up in a goaltender's crease or a goaltender's net at least once a game. And it drives the opposing goalies absolutely crazy. And after Alexei Torobchenko earned his place in St. Louis and pretty much ensured that Springfield wouldn't see him again. Will Bitten has filled in in that role on the right side with Dakota Joshua and Mackenzie McEachern. I said coming into this series that throughout these playoffs, those three have been the most important players, certainly out of the forward group here for the T-Birds because uh, they're a puck possession machine in the offensive zone. And not only that, all three of them hit you, all three of them drive you crazy, and all three of them provide something a little bit different. And, that trio has really been one of the, I would say, one of the two or three biggest reasons the Thunderbirds are where they are right now. Last thing for Ryan Smith, the play-by-play voice of the Springfield Thunderbirds here on 101 ESPN. And Ryan, with Billy Huso's future with the Blues in question this offseason, a lot of people are wondering about Charlie Lindgren and Joel Hofer. So can you give us a scouting report of both of those two goalies and what you've seen out of them in Springfield? Well, folks in St. Louis saw a brief, uh, a brief but fantastic run from Lindgren back in the late fall, early winter, and he has not stopped from that point forward. He was top three in the American League all year in both save percentage and goals against average. Joel Hofer, after going through a little bit of growing pains in the middle of his first full season, he has turned it on down the stretch. And in these playoffs when Lindgren – 
uh, was forced up into St. Louis, the backup for Huso for the remainder of the Colorado series. Uh, Joel Hofer took his opportunity and ran with it. He pretty much single-handedly swept the Charlotte Checkers, a team that had won the Thunderbirds division, granted by virtue of a tiebreaker, which I think the T-Birds were a little peeved about that, and they showed who the true champions of the Atlantic were in that <laughs> series in a hurry. In the Eastern Conference Final, both of them split the nets. Both of them had times where things were a little troublesome for them, but the next guy up in the rotation answered the bell for his teammate and picked up the slack, and they're two different goalies in the way they play the game. Joel Hofer's much bigger, more technically sound, economical in his movements, and an amazing, amazing puck handler. Charlie Lindgren's more of the smaller net minder, but the fighter, the uh, battler in the crease who sometimes has to get acrobatic to make saves that you don't know how he finds a way to make them, but he does. And I think no matter what happens, if the Blues are able to re-sign Charlie Lindgren and everything I gather is that Charlie would love to stay in this organization, and how could you not, the way his career has really turned itself around this year, I tend to believe that Lindgren... And I have no insider knowledge of this being true whatsoever, but my gut is telling me Charlie Lindgren would be back as a number two behind Jordan Bennington. And it allows Joel Hofer, who's still just 21 years of age, mind you, to get another year to marinate in the American Hockey League. And I think the Blues goaltending situation is a pretty, pretty strong one, certainly in the short term future. Great stuff from Ryan Smith, the voice of the Springfield Thunderbirds here on 101 ESPN. And again, the Calder Cup Finals happening right now between the Springfield Thunderbirds and the Chicago Wolves. Game two is tonight at 8 p.m. Thanks so much for the time, Ryan. We appreciate it, and we'll be paying attention to the Thunderbirds for sure. Thanks so much, you guys. Thanks for having me. A lot of great info, Curbs, on what's uh, going on yeah, in he Springfield. Does great, he does a great job for them. And so many of those players the Blues fans are familiar with and will be familiar with in the future. Kessel's goal, that overtime goal, and, and the kid played at UMass. I mean, it's just a, there's some really neat stories going on down there. there now, do we have a fighter? Because the fight is next. Do we have a fight? We have a fighter. Okay. Have we determined whether it's going to be Chris Kerber or myself taking on the Megamind role today? We will let the people know coming out of the break. That is a tease. If I've ever heard one, you'll find out who's competing in the fight next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It is time for the fight on Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. We had a little fight in the commercial break to determine who would do the fight. Curbs and I did rock, paper, scissors, best of three. Came down to the final match, and I beat him. Paper defeats rock. So Chris Kerber, voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN, will be assuming the mega mind role today. Our challenger for Chris Kerber is Randy C., who's joining us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Randy. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm well as well. Randy, you well, sound so like you're having fly. the best morning. 
Well, good. Well, I'm so glad you all had a play-in round to go up against another Randy. So thank you very much. Awesome. Well, it's so great to have you, Randy. I mean, you just seem like you bounded out of bed this morning on the right side of it, no less. Well, let's have some fun. I, I, I love talking sports, and what a great time to do so. No doubt, Randy. Okay, here we go. Question number one, and good luck to you. Thank you. Paul Goldschmidt currently sits atop the National League in batting average at 344, looking to become the first Cardinal since Albert Pujols to lead the National League in batting average. What year did Albert Pujols, Pujols achieve this feat? Was it 2003, 2005, or 2007? I'm going to say 2005. Only two Cardinals closures in the last 10 years have recorded more than 40 saves in a season. Trevor Rosenthal did it twice. Who else did it? Was that Sung Wan Oh, Edward Mujica, or Jason Mott? I'm going to say Mujica. Randy, happy birthday to Darko Milicic. He was drafted number two behind LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron which, James. Which future NBA Hall of Famer was drafted behind him at number three? Was that Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, or Carmelo Anthony? Let's say um, Chris Bosh. And there's only three NBA franchises who have won three NBA titles in a row. The Chicago Bulls, they did it twice from 91 to 93 and 96 to 98. The Boston Celtics, who did it from 53 to or 59 to 66. And who else? Is it the Philadelphia slash Golden State Warriors, the Minneapolis slash LA Lakers, or the Miami Heat? I'm going to say the Minnesota slash LA Lakers. Okay, let's check the score. Confirmed. Let's find Chris Kerber. Normally, Randy hangs out in the cone of silence and we can kind of wave him in, but Chris Kerber is nowhere to be found. He might be ducking you, Randy. Well, I could, I could understand it. <laughs> so could I. Oh, please, no, here please, is. Please, please, no, I'm kidding. Shows like this ought to be fun. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Oh, Randy, we have fun every day, let me tell you. I, yes, you do. Randy, please say good morning, or excuse me, Chris Kerber is here. Please say good morning to Randy. Hi, Randy, how are you? Your last name I'm, is not Carriker, is it? Uh, no. Okay, but good. It's, it's, it, it sounds the same, but with a C instead of a K. No. Oh, gotcha. I'm with you. Okay. All right. Curbs, are you ready to go? Yeah, how did Randy do? Do I know yet? No, you won't oh, know I yet. don't get to be told. You don't get to be told. Right, now, how no, do we no do cheating. this, Curbs? Do you want to do it Megamind where you get one lifeline, or would you like to have the options? Um, Which is what I do when Randy's out. Okay, so, so here's the deal. Uh, I will decide that per question. Is that fair? No, you have to determine it right now. Really? Because what if I know it without the options? Well, then you can just blurt it right I mean, out. stunt on him, but I would take the options. <laughs> All right. Some NBA stuff in here. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll take the just options. Saying, just saying. You might take want them, I'm trying to help you out here, bud. Way to go, Matt. Way to go, Matt. <laughs> Let's bring in the hockey guy and load it up with gonna, NBA questions. I thought Michelle Zero was going to be fighting. I thought Michelle was going to be fighting. Zero Holy hockey questions for our moly. boy I'll Chris tell you Kerber. what I know about the NBA. I don't care what Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets do. That's what I know about the NBA. Well, you know what? He might okay. be looking for a new home. Oh, Big yeah. story from oh, Shams. Oh, what a shocker. <laughs> Nobody's looking at me enough. This is the NBA. No one's looking at me enough, so I have to, I've got to go find another super team of trio to play and manipulate contract and... Then we'll deal with that drama rather than win. That's well, luckily, so fun. that's the exact yeah, thing I asked about. Yeah. Okay, are you ready? Maybe I'll get a shot. Oh, Curbs, okay. Yeah, ready? go ahead. Sorry, I'm delaying. No, you're all good. All I right. just know that once we get on this tangent, we won't stop. So yeah, I just want to rail right. it yep. back in. Okay. All right. 
Question number one for Chris Kerber. Paul Goldschmidt currently sits atop the National League in batting average at 344. He's looking to become the first Cardinal since Albert Pujols to lead the National League in batting average. What year did Pujols achieve that feat? Was it 2003, 2005, or 2007? Ooh. Um... I'm not going to say it. No, I don't believe it would have been. I'm going to go the middle. I'm going to go 2005. Only two Cardinals closers in the last 10 years have recorded more than 40 saves in a season. Trevor Rosenthal did it twice. Who else did it? Was it Sung Wan Oh, Edward Mujica, or Jason Mott? Ooh. Uh, hell, I don't know. Um... <laughs> Uh, That's me every time I compete uh, in the fight. I'm like, you know no what? idea. Let's um, just guess. Someone oh had that hell of a good year that Um I right, I'll go with I'll go with Jason Mott. Just because I'm going with anybody that has cornhole tournaments. That's fair. And that's that's like picking a horse because it You like you like the name? Took a dump on the way to the starting gate or that too. Picking a you know, it's picking, a, picking a team because you like the uniform colors. Yeah. You know what? You, whatever logic yeah. you need okay. to apply, so, uh, so, feel free. So if any of these NBA players play cornhole, let me know. Well, we got two NBA questions okay. on deck for Chris right. Kerber, including number three. Happy birthday to Darko Milicic. He was drafted number two behind LeBron James. LeBron James. Which future NBA Hall of Famer was drafted behind Darko at number three? Was it Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, or Carmelo Anthony? Okay, draft. Repeat the question for me. Basically, who was drafted behind LeBron James and Darko Milicic? Okay. What what year was this? Two thousand three. Two thousand three. So James went one. Mm-hmm. Milicic went two. Mm-hmm. Correct. Who was went it number three? Was it Bosh, Wade, or Carmelo Anthony? Bosh. All right, and only three NBA franchises have won more than three NBA have won three titles in a row. Three NBA franchises have won three titles in a row. The Bulls did it twice. The Celtics had a run of like eight in a row. Who was the other one to do it? Is it the Philadelphia? I could probably even guess your, is it the Philadelphia yeah. and Golden State Philadelphia slash Golden State Warriors, the Minneapolis slash LA Lakers, or the Miami Heat? Uh oh, well. Uh, uh it was Pat Riley. So that did he did he coin three Pete with the Lakers or with the or with the Heat? It was uh, oh, crud. You know this. I can I know. tell. I can tell you I know. know. But now I'm doubting myself. I know. I know. I got the guy because that's when he. That's when he tried to. He trademarked the the, the word three Pete. So I'm gonna. They do it with the Heat or the Lakers. Uh, went, I think he went that way. So I'm going with the Heat. Did I just screw that up? You definitely Jesus, did. You got an awful poker face. Ah oh, man. Oh, no. Well, I have to did say I go that for four? I I have to say you messed it up because it's a tie. You both got one correct. Randy and Curbs each got one correct, which means that we're headed to the tie break round. And is this is the most ridiculous most question. question. If we ever. were so bad, this if, is if insane, this was so this bad, question. we should just surrender to tomorrow's this, game. Okay. I this is an insane question. But right. We're okay. gonna do it. I came, ac- right. I came across it. I liked it. I'm a, I'm a okay. little weird. I'll. Accept that. Which one did I get right? You got number two right. Jason Mott. 
Oh. But we'll, we'll reveal that in a oh, second. Oh, All right, I'm sorry. I thought we were just Here's how this is going to work. The I'm going to okay. read the tiebreaker question. Curbs is going to write his answer down on a sheet of paper. Okay. Randy's going to get first crack at it. And then Curbs will share with us what he's written down on the piece of paper, and All we right. will determine our winner. Randy, are you ready? Is his mic not on? Can we get that, please? Yeah, he's right. Here we Randy, go. are you ready? I'm ready to go. Curbs, are you ready? Yeah, sure. This is this. If anyone gets this, seventy-two. I don't want them to get it on the number. Do they not get they will exactly never right. get it. No, it's an impossibility. So this is exactly. going to be closest to the pin. Here's exactly. your tiebreaker okay. question. All right. The first golf tournaments were organized starting in the 14th century. But what year was the first tournament for only women organized? For only women organized. Randy, whenever you're ready. Okay, let's go with... Nineteen ten. Nineteen ten for Randy. Curbs, your answer is? I went with 42. 1942. 1942. One of you is closer to the pen. By because, like 200 years? Because that's it happened like, what It happened happen. like in 1527. Matt, ring the bell. The winner and new champion of the fight. Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair. Home of the non-commission based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Randy, you were closer to the pin on the most bizarre question we've ever heard. (laughs) Actually, it's a great question, actually. Actually, yeah, I watched the greatest game ever played last night after watching the U.S. Open. Nice. I'm thinking, all right, so somewhere around there, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. You were right. All right, well, let's roll it back to the top. So, Goldie is looking to become the first Cardinal since Albert to lead the National League in batting average since Albert did it in 2003 when he hit 359. Only two Cardinals closers in the last 10 years have recorded more than 40 saves in a season. Trevor Rosenthal did it twice, and Jason Mott also did it. He had 42 saves in 2012. It's Darko Milicic's birthday. He was drafted number two behind LeBron, and Carmelo Anthony was drafted behind him uh, at number three. Mello. That's one I probably should have known. Mello. Well, you knew this one, but you... I know, then I hosed yeah. it. I know. It's all right. Only three NBA franchises have won three NBA titles in a row, the Bulls, the Celtics, and the Minneapolis slash LA Lakers, who did it between 52 and 54 and 2000 and 2002, which took us to the tiebreaker since Randy and Curbs each got one correct. The first golf tournaments were organized starting in the 14th century. But what year was the first tournament for only women organized? Randy said 1910. Curb said 1942. The correct answer is 1811. You guys remember that, of course. Oh, wow. What was the tournament? That, it was in Scotland. Was it just a tournament? Yeah, it was just, I can't remember. It wasn't like a historic one that's like lasted like 800, like the last like four through 200 right. years. Well, Randy, great job. You're going to compete against the other Randy tomorrow. So we'll talk to you then. Well, that sounds great. Looking forward Good to job, it. Good job, Randy. You. All right. Thank you, Chris. Take care. You got it. Thank you. Coming up next. I told you. I, should, I knew. You remember when I filled in, like, I don't know, a year or so ago, whatever it was. Like, I filled in, like, two days in a row, and one, like, back-to-back, and I said, I'm out. 
Okay, you retired. And I've let you rope me into that dang fight every time since. No, I beat I feel, I feel you bad it's in your rock, show. paper, scissors. You did in this case. I, so but, you earned yourself you a seat in the You fight. could have guilted me into doing it. You can blame this one on me. You, could, you earned yourself by losing to yeah. me a seat at the fight. I took that one to the third round. I was impressed. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We have a game of start one, bench one, cut one. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Character and Smallman. Solid athlete, solid arm. Start one. Warm up. You're going in. Bench one. Mediocre. Hit the shower. Cut one. You're off the team. I do head. What? It's start one, bench one, cut one on Character and Smallman. Here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber and Michelle Smallman with you. And it's time for a little start one, bench one, cut one here on 101 ESPN. You can get yours into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. First one, Curbs. Father's Day activities. Start one, bench one, cut one. Okay. Golfing, grilling, hanging at the pool. I am... Okay, I'm cutting golf. Okay. I'm starting grilling and I'm benching hanging at the pool. Even though you will have to man the grill nine times out of ten, right? Sure. That's fine with me. You enjoy it. That's fine with me. Yep. What is your specialty dish that you grill up? Oh, hot dogs. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I, and it's hard, can it's do hard hot to dogs. get a, Actually, no. you know what I've gotten r- r- pretty decent at is, uh, is actually taking the old Weber kettle and actually with charcoal... Briquettes on the Weber kettle, slow cooking about a nine pound pork butt. Ooh. So, so you know, I don't have, I don't have a smoker, I don't have a big green egg, I don't have, I don't have a Traeger, I don't have any of that stuff. So I've I found a way to set it up inside the just the old fashioned Weber kettle, and uh, and do a little old school style. But after about nine hours, you can just pull that sucker right apart. That sounds awesome. It's a good one. Nice. Yeah. All right, what do you have? Um, all right, start one. What's it? Start one, bench one, and cut one. Yes. Okay. Start one, bench one, and cut one. The Stanley Cup Finals, the NBA Finals, or the World Series? Stanley Cup Finals, NBA NBA Finals, finals or the World Series. So I'm going to start the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay. I am going to bench the World Series, and I'm going to cut the NBA Finals. And maybe that's because we don't have an NBA team here in town. Um but I, I just think because I focus so much on baseball that I'm always going to want to watch the World Series. Gotcha. Whereas sometimes in the NBA Finals, even though it's usually stars that we know, I'm not as emotionally invested in the NBA Finals as I am the other two. I thought you'd waver a little bit more on that, knowing that you are a, a good NBA fan. I am, but there's just nothing uh, that matches the intensity of the Stanley Cup Finals for me. It's just on a completely different level. Yeah. So I'm putting that one far and away number one. And then I guess depending on the matchups, like I thought this year I was very invested in the Celtics and, and the Warriors. 
And some World Series are less thrilling than others. But I'm if you give me one series to watch regardless of the teams, I'm going to choose the World Series. I'm with you. All right, let's get to yours on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Matt, what do you have for us? Start one, bench one, cut one. The biggest priorities for Army this offseason. Clearing cap space by trading Tarasenko, bolstering the blue line, and re-signing Perron. Start one, bench one, cut one. Uh... I would say re-signing Perron is my start. start it. <laughs> I want to start. I want to make sure that that's done before I do anything else. That's just me. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm sticking with that. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going. Starting with Perron. I'm benching the, the, the defensive depth one, yeah. and I'm cutting the Tarasenko one. And not only do you need to get the Perron one done, it seems like it might be the easiest solution because well, both sides are interested, right? Because if I well that, and if I understand this right, by cutting the Tarasenko one, that means you're keeping him in the cap space. So I got that 82 points back. I'm re-signing David <laughs> Perron, and then because I can always go to my bench, I'm taking care of my defense. I got us covered. There you go. I love that. Start one bench, one cut one. Rookie edition: Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, Juan Yepes. Okay, I'm starting Brendan Donovan. I said this last week, Curbs, whenever the Brendan Donovan, Donovan fan club meets, I need to know so that I can show up with donuts because how fun is this guy to watch? He's been a revelation. I think I'm going to... Both both Gorman and Juan Yupes have also been productive and I'm intrigued and excited by both of them. But I think maybe just the hype surrounding Gorman and the developments that we've seen out of him, especially defensively. I've been really impressed with some of the moves or some of the things we've been able to see with him defensively. So I'm going to bench Gorman and cut Juan Yepes, even though looks like he's going to get a lot more time with Tyler O'Neill out. I'm starting Gorman because I think they've got a much bigger plan already set in place for him. I am benching Donovan and uh, because I think they still look like him for him as a Swiss Army and I put him in anywhere and see where that goes. And uh, I still don't know that they know what they have with uh, Yepes or Yepes or however we say the name. Because I keep hearing it differently. That's the only reason I joke and say that. But uh, so I will cut him. Oh, that's a good question. Is it Yepes or Yepes? Oh, God. No, well, I don't it was know. like, oh, no. Arenado, I heard it both ways. Arenado. We yeah, asked, Randy got... asked Nolan. Nolan Arenado, how do you say it, Arenado or Arenado? And he said Arenado. Okay, then then we go with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my idea. I asked the players, how do we say it? Now well, because about that. we thought it was Arenado, but then we would hear guys who really knew him, like Matt Holiday, right. say Arenado. We were like, oh, well, Matt Holiday knows him really well, or you know, he would just say it offhandedly, Arenado sometimes. And so, in his introductory presser, Randy asked him, "How do we how pronounce, pronounce your name?" And here's the deal: so once you've done that, when a fan or somebody says you're saying it wrong, going, I asked him. I asked the guy. Right. This is the way he. I had Pierre Maguire was saying could could never say Alex Petrangelo's name right. Petrangelo. Okay. And I finally Peter went. An- I Peter went to Angela. him one time and I said, "Hey, listen, you're saying his name wrong." He says it's Petrangelo. Pierre got all chest. He says, "Hey, he was I coached his uncle, and his uncle called it, you know, Peter Angelo." I said, I don't care if you dated his aunt. He, <laughs> well, I swear, I, that's why I said that to him. So I don't care if you dated his aunt. He wants it Petrangelo. So you say it the name the way the player wants it said. Always ask the player. Did he sh- shift the way he says it? No, he, he <laughs> kept saying it wrong. No. I know that that bothered a lot of Blues fans, Peter Angelo. We, we have, like, it, it is crazy how that name still is mispronounced probably more than any name around the National Hockey League. And yet we can get people to say Athena see you and things like that. But that one we couldn't get people mm-hmm. to say right.
Athens CU still throws me off personally. I'm just, just going to yep. throw that one. That one. That's the first time I've ever said it right. Uh, start one, bench one, cut one in their prime. Pujols, Yachty, Wayno. Wow. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. Uh, in their prime, we love we in love them prime, all. Going, start, we know who we're starting. I'm starting, I'm starting Albert and benching. Ooh, actually, it's trickier I'm, on the I'm, start, I'm starting Albert. I'm uh, benching Yadi and I'm cutting Wayno. Me too, and I love Adam Wainwright, obviously. But how do you not start the greatest right hand hitter that we've ever seen? I mean, he had the the best first eleven years to start hey, no, a season, you know a career. On that one, I'm breaking the rules. I'm not cutting any of them. So that's where you can put your game. They're all this tied morning. for first. No, I'll bench the other two if I need. I'm starting Albert, okay, no matter what. All right, but I'm just going to break the rules of the game. It's only fair that Wayno and Yachty are both benched together because they're a, they're a battery. Go. That's how we're going to do this. Thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little Stanley Cup Finals because we have Chris Kerber in, in the house. And that's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at SNPartners.com. It's 9-11 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman and Chris Kerber, here with you on Carriker and Smallman 101 ESPN. And Kerbs, the Colorado Avalanche took it to the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final, defeating them 7-0. They take a 2-0 series lead over the Lightning. And as you look at this series, what does Tampa Bay have to do to get back on track? I, I think a lot of people, myself included, were surprised by Game 2. And just the complete dominance of Colorado in, in that series. I wasn't shocked that Colorado took game one the, the way they did. And I didn't think Tampa played a very good game in there. But to see Tampa take a step backwards rather than really come back with a little more pep in their step in, in game two was, was quite surprising. Colorado is a team that more so than any other team in the league loves to throw the puck at the net. And what I mean by that is they... they they are so top heavy with their skill that they want that fourth line to get it over the line. And while other teams like the Blues, even like Tampa, say, hey, get it in there, work some puck possession in the offensive zone, they'll take their fourth line, say, get it in there, throw it to the net, freeze play so we can bring our other guys in for an offensive zone. So I, I'm never really blown away when I see Colorado out shooting somebody 15 to 6, mm-hmm. that, that type of thing. Because sometimes a lot of those shots are kind of can, can be innocuous, just. Just shots that don't have much of a chance to go in. But then what they hope is for a rebound and create some havoc. And when you watch Colorado practice like we did throughout that whole series, almost every drill they did finished with somebody standing in front of the net. And they they caused problems better than any team there. So um but but Tampa just couldn't find those rebounds. Vasilevsky was finally human. You know, I look at the Colorado Avalanche and in the first round they didn't face UC Soros. They they had Nashville's backup. In the second round, Jordan Bennington wins game one. They take him out in game two. Okay, so the the other win, the only other win that uh, a team has had against Colorado is Billy Huso with the overtime win in that in that amazing game five out there. So aside from one and a half games, 
you're looking at a situation where Colorado hadn't faced a normal starting goaltender, a team's number one goaltender, in, in, until the start of this series. And so I thought that Vasilevsky probably posed a few more problems than he has there. I'm tonight with this game three. I'm looking for a, a much different thing. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how Craig or how um, uh, John Cooper manages the matchups, see who he tries to get away from McKinnon's line and, and how he tries to work that. You could tell in our series with Colorado, because the matchups were the same both at home and in Colorado, the, the coach is saying, we're just going be fun, bun, and see where things go. Mm-hmm. So Tampa's going to have to clean things up. They can't turn the puck over at the blue lines, and, and that's such a key. You just feed Colorado's transition, and that's just as important at the offensive blue line. You've got to get it in, and they've got to put the puck where you can pin Colorado's defense. If you put it where Colorado's defense can get one stride with the puck, you're already chasing it. So we'll, we'll see if they make that difference. I, I mean, is this a, a type of scenario where Colorado could just run the table the way they're doing it? Maybe, but I'll tell you what, uh, Like I, I expect a different fight out of Tampa tonight, and I still expect Tampa to make it a series. So what was your prediction heading into the series, and has that changed? I didn't have one. Didn't have one, okay. I didn't have one. I was rooting for Tampa and still am. Because of Pat Maroon? Um, nah, no, because of Stan Kroenke. Okay, fair, fair. Um, but but having said that, like Jared Bednar, the head coach of the Colorado Avalanche, he won a title in the East Coast Hockey League, he won a title in the American Hockey League, and could become, I think, just the second or third person to ever win a title in all three pro leagues there. Impressive. Um a terrific guy coached the Peoria Riverman in St. Louis, you know the St. Louis's farm team for for a little while. Uh, I root for Ray Bennett, who you know I think still has family living here in St. Louis, uh, but he was our assistant coach for ten years and just one of the nicest gentlemen you're going to meet in the game. Nolan Pratt, their other assistant coach, he was defenseman for the Hartford Whalers organization uh, when I was calling his games when he was in Springfield in the American Hockey League. So I've I've, I've known him a long time. That one's that one's good. Uh, Eric Johnson is mm-hmm. a, is a terrific story if, if he gets a chance to win it. You want to see the greats like like Landis Cog and Nathan McKinnon get a get a crack at the cup. I think uh, Gabriel Landis Cog is one of the top most underrated captains in the National Hockey League. Um, and so there's even the story of Jack Johnson and some of the financial troubles that his family put him in and all this other stuff. There's some really good stories that uh, that that's why I said earlier in the show. I'm wavering a little bit because I'd be really happy for all those guys, you know, in that sense. Uh, the the cadre thing, no, uh, I don't need to see him lift the cup. No, uh, you know, but uh, but there's some other, so many other good stories there that that I could, I, I'll just have to just get rid of the bad taste in my mouth when it comes to the Crockett if they win it. But uh, still, another great story too if you can get that third cup. Tampa's going to make a series of this thing. I believe that and. I may get proven wrong, but I believe they'll still make a series of it. I hope so. Well, they'll try starting tonight. Stanley Cup Final Game 3. You can listen right here on 101 ESPN with pregame starting at 6.30. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, it's your Killing Me Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. It's Kara Grin Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, you don't want to miss this. 
Boston Red Sox pitcher Michael Walker, former St. Louis Cardinal, is going to join Chris Kerber and myself. We're really looking forward to talking to Michael Walker. He's going to join us next segment at 9.30. You don't want to miss that. But right now it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls! So, <laughs> we like that, Curbs? I still love that, <laughs> I yeah. love it. So, recently, Curbs, Major League Baseball issued an advisory that it's going to begin enforcing a rule on hand, finger, and wrist attachments. This rule is intended to prevent pitchers from wearing foreign substances on their hands. You know, the, yeah. those foreign substances yeah. and the sticky stuff has been something baseball's been cracking down on for a good year and a half now. Well, Graham Ashcraft, he is the Cincinnati Reds pitcher. It was the Reds and the Brewers on Saturday, and he was told to take his wedding ring off of his left hand during a foreign substance inspection in the first inning. He was really upset by this. He said, no, why do I have to take my ring off? And they forced him to do it because according to the rule book, pitchers may not attach anything to either hand, any finger, or either wrist. Major League Baseball just can't get out of their own way on this, can they? I mean, they can't make a bigger mockery out of their own problem. They can't botch it any more than they have. And it it's an absolute I mean it's it's a joke. It it, it, it continues to be a joke and, and I mean just holy smokes, wake up on this one. And shout out to Wake up on this one. Like like that's again, like all, all we're asking people to do is use some common sense. That's all. Use your head. Well, most guys, Curbs, would have no problem saying, yep, got to take the ring off. No big deal. So not, sh- shout out good ones. to Ashcraft for wanting to keep it on. He ended up putting it on his necklace chain for, uh, the, his chain for the remainder of the game. But I'm always fascinated by which guys choose to wear jewelry or wear their ring during games because I would think that stuff like that would bother me. But a lot of guys, it's a comfort thing for them to actually, wear. I, I actually never even thought about that. How many, how many pitchers actually do wear their wedding rings? I wonder. Well, it's just lefties that we're dealing with, right? Like, or, can a guy wear can a guy wear his wedding ring in his glove? So his was right? his was under his glove, and his was under his glove, under his glove. And that shows you just even more how stupid this is. <laughs> like, holy! Like, you know what they're thinking? Now I get this. They don't they don't want him to kind of to maybe, but you're gonna see him take his hand out of his glove if he's using his ring to scrape up the ball. That's the only thing you can do there because I'm telling like. You're not putting enough Vaseline inside your wedding ring to make a difference, you know. You're not. You're not doing. I, I'm trying to think of how I could use this to win a game. Yeah, but if you, yeah, but it's got a little chip on the ring. You could definitely nick the ball up with you, it. Though. You so could I, nick I the that. ball up, I but I, I'm like, oh, just yeah, get out of the way, Major League Baseball. Holy smokes! Have you ever lost your wedding ring? I have not. Now I do have my next door neighbor because the son made a joke about it yesterday. He was actually putting in a um, a mailbox. He was putting in a mailbox, and it came off in the concrete, and his wedding <gasps> ring got buried in his concrete. No. And then several years later, when they replaced the mailbox, he broke up the concrete and found his wedding ring. No way. Yeah. Did he get story. a replacement, or did he oh, just no, wait? He, he got it. Yeah, he got a replacement. <laughs> My dad lost his once and had to get a replacement and didn't know where it was, and years later, he got a new golf bag, and he was dumping out his golf bag, and he found and it he at found the bo- it it. bottom. It was totally bent in a million different ways, but he's like, oh, there's my wedding ring. How many golfers golf, golf with their wedding ring on? That's a good question. I don't Male know. or female? I see. I would just imagine if I had to hold a golf club that that would really bother me, and that I wouldn't want that there. 
but everybody's different, I guess. You just got to get fatter hands because if you see, look at this. If you like me, you get fatter hands. She just gets buried in there, and then you don't, you don't worry about. You know, it. that's been kind of a theme of the show today, talking about Tyler O'Neill. You're like, I you know, can't, I'm, I'm ripping you, on my my out of shape fat. self. But I'm you're telling, telling you. people if you want to, I just want keep your wedding ring on. You need yeah, to make just, your hands just fatter. Get a fat layer and holds it in there. <laughs> <laughs> It's surprising to me that a lot of players want to play with jewelry, period. I know it's part of the swag. I would think that stuff good, bouncing around good. hitting you in the chin. Yeah. You know, if it comes out of the, the shirts and stuff is, is worse. But I, that the Major League Baseball checking for the foreign substance thing, it, it, they, they, I'm not sure that they could. I'm not sure they could continue to botch this worse. Well, they you have, have to, to try, but they've to been be pretty that effective in stopping it. Because I thought at first, have they? Do you, I, really? Do you think they have? Well, I thought in the beginning when they said, "Oh, we're going to do these checks," I thought that's not going to stop anything. And it seems like a lot of guys did stop using the foreign substances at least last season, knowing that the checks were going to happen. I'm not buying it. Here's the thing. I'm not. I, I know Cheaters what you're saying. Will I understand. Always be a step ahead. Cheaters I, will always yeah. be a step ahead, but. Com- Compared to other things Major League Baseball has messed up, I think they handled this one pretty well. That's no, they, just no, me. No, 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 no. Not that they didn't need to address it. They botched the execution of it, and they've just looked horrible doing it. Here's the, That's a great example. Of the wedding ring? Yeah. Okay. We got Michael Walker coming up next. Yes, we do. This is a good topic for a starting pitcher. Well, Michael Waka, former Cardinals pitcher and Boston Red Sox pitcher, we saw him over the weekend opposing his mentor, Adam Wainwright. We're going to talk to Michael Waka about that and much more, maybe including wedding rings, next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber and with you, the Cardinals wrap up a weekend series in Fenway over the Boston Red Sox and a familiar face on the mound Friday opposing Adam Wainwright. It's Red Sox starting pitcher Michael Waco, who's having a great season up in Boston. He's joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, Michael. How you doing? Thanks for taking the time to join us. Hey, good morning. Thank you. Doing well. How are y'all doing? We're doing wonderful. And it's so great to not only see you having success in Boston, but it was great to get to have eyes on you on Friday versus the Cardinals. But that had to be pretty bizarre for you to be facing your former team in the Cardinals. And not only that, opposing your mentor, Adam Wainwright. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it could definitely be like that. I, uh, yeah, I was trying not to think about it too much or psych myself out, I guess, or get myself too hyped up for it. But uh, try to just approach it like any other game and, uh, you know, kind of take that route to it. But then, uh, you know, once the game was done and, you know, looking back at it now, it was obviously a very cool uh, start and moment to be able to, you know, face off against, you know, some really good friends of mine and, uh, you know, obviously – you know, one of the guys that, um, you know, has taught me a lot in this game and, you know, go head up against uh, Wainwright was obviously very special and very, very cool. So, Michael, we have Adam Wainwright on our show every week. Every Wednesday he joins us and he talks to us all the time about mentoring different players and the way that he speaks to them and tries to impart some of the knowledge that he's learned in this game on some of these guys. So when you think about Adam Wainwright as a mentor to you, tell us something really important that Waino taught you that you've applied to your career. 
Um, you know, there's a, there's, there's a lot of things. Um, you know, I, I guess I, you know, uh, you know, I would, I would have to say maybe going with like, uh, he helped me with like a routine, I would say, um, you know, early on in my career, he was, uh, he was the guy that I would always just, I would watch everything that he did. Um, you know, that was starting in my first spring training and I was in the same spring training groups as him and we would go to different fields and do different drills with him. And I would be able to watch how he went about his business, um, you know, in the clubhouse and, uh, in the training room and the weight room. And then also, you know, how he carried himself off the field as well. Um, but you know, we talked a lot about having a routine as a starting pitcher and it's, one of the biggest things, um, you know, to, to help you have a success, I would say. And, you know, he was, he was one of the big time impacts. I think I do a lot of the same stuff that he does. And, um, you know, that was one of the things whenever I was back in 2013, 14, um, you know, I, I was like, Hey, if this guy's still pitching and, and, performing well in this league and has stuck around, you know, he must be doing something right. So I tried to take everything I could from him. What did it mean for you to be a part, two of the pregame ceremony, Michael, with uh, Albert being presented with the number five from the Green Monster? Oh, that was that was very special. I was uh, I was pretty honored to, to get asked to go out there and, you know, help present that with uh, some of those other, obviously, uh, some other no doubt Hall of Fame guys, um, you know, um, Albert's been unbelievable uh, for the Cardinals in, the, in his past and, uh, you know, for this game of baseball. And so just going out there, being able to congratulate him on a on a hell of a career and, you know, everything he's done for this game um, was, was definitely very special. So following that up with you, and what Michelle was asking you about Adam Wainwright, I'm going to toss at you the same thing kind of about Yadier. I know that Yadi wasn't able to be there because he was on IL, and, and Boston still presented him with the number four for the Cardinals to take back. As a young pitcher coming into the league, to have a presence like Yadier Molina behind the plate, how much has that set you up as the years have gone on for you? Oh my gosh, that was uh, one of the biggest things I think. You know, having Wayne out and Yachty, um, that was, uh, you know, I was I was spoiled as a rookie and as a young guy coming up um, because I know there's a lot of a lot of teams that don't have that type of you know leadership and mentorship to to help out the young guys and even if they do have the veterans, um, you know, sometimes the veterans you know just don't really put in the time or work to you know, help out somebody that will eventually maybe have a chance to take their job. But I remember, you know, seeing Yachty a lot and just his work ethic and how he thought about the game and approached the game from from his side was was unbelievable. And I know that without him, I wouldn't have been able to get through that 2013 postseason run. Um, You know, he – I didn't shake off one time. He was <laughs> he was calling all the pitches back there, and um, you know I was talking earlier. Um, there's 
with the mound visits nowadays, uh, they put a limit on them. And, uh, you know, I, I guess there was a good thing that there wasn't a limit on it because sometimes the game was getting a little too fast for me. And, you know, he was one of the guys that had perfect timing on knew exactly when to go out and knew exactly what to say to calm down myself and get me back on track and uh, back to making pitches and, and getting this next guy out with the game plan and stuff. And so, um, you know, he was he was very huge in, in my career and, you know, owe him a lot for sure. Former Cardinals pitcher, current Red Sox pitcher, Michael Waka joining us here on 101 ESPN. And Michael, you were a great Cardinal. We loved having you here in St. Louis. And we always cheered for you, even as you went to different teams. And we knew that the talent was always there for you, but you had to battle through injuries. And it just seems like something has really clicked for you in Boston right now. What is the difference? Uh, well, thank you very much. You know, I, I definitely enjoyed my time in, in St. Louis and really appreciated the fans and all their support throughout the years. You know, they're, they're some of the best fans in, in the game. That's for sure. Um, but you know, uh, you know, had a couple, couple rough seasons there, um, battling back from a tough oblique, uh, injury, which was, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to wish that upon anybody. And then yep, a couple little shoulder, shoulder stuff. And, uh, you know, you just kind of, learn more about your body and, and how to get, get it prepared and, uh, and ready and strong enough to, to last throughout a, you know, 162 game season. And so, uh, I think the combination of that and also getting to Boston and, and working with this great staff here as well has, uh, has been really beneficial. Um, you know, we've got Dave Bush here and a lot of, a lot of really good, smart baseball people that, uh, you know, help you out and, um, you know, maybe a little bit different pitch selection and adding a couple couple different things to the repertoire um, ha- has really helped myself uh, navigate some of these lineups and, uh, you know, just going out there and having fun and having confidence again to go out there and get the job done is, uh, you know, I think I think one of the biggest things. Michael, you had a complete game a couple weeks ago, which was so awesome to see. Do you like working with a staff that allows you to go that deep into games? Because a lot of managers or pitching staffs aren't allowed to even go three times through the lineup. So what do you think about that old school approach? Yeah, no, I, I really, I, I thanked uh, Cora a lot after that game because I know that, with it being a one oh game, I've I've faced them three times to the lineup. Now the top of the order is coming back up for the fourth time. Um, you know, it's a it's it's a little little different game nowadays with uh with the starting pitchers getting pulled early and like you said, facing that third time to the lineup. But um I think Core has been really good at understanding the situation and and reading and seeing how his starting pitcher has been pitching and I think he just saw that um, I was getting stronger throughout the game and I was making better quality pitches and getting ahead and attacking. And, you know, he trusted me in that situation to keep on building off that eighth inning and go out there and get the job done in the ninth. And um, yeah, I mean, there's times where, you know, there, that it might be the right move and it's third time through the lineup and, 
you had a lot of stressful innings leading up to that, and hey, it, it might be a time for a new look. But in that situation, in that in that game, uh, he let me ride, and it ended up being a really special night. Hey, Michael, and I know pitchers and, and athletes in general have to stay in the moment to be successful, and, and, and it takes such amazing tunnel vision, really, I, I think, to do that. But especially, like, like, what was it like for you the first time taking the mound at, at Fenway Park? And, and, and do you give yourself just, even maybe before that start, an opportunity to sit in a, that ballpark and, and just even think of some of the history of the players that have that have taken the field there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a... <laughs> There's a there's a ton of history here, and that's one of the things that makes it so special. And uh, you know they do a, they do a really good job of of making sure that that the history is known throughout. I guess the the ballpark there, um, you know, with the with the videos and the the posters and all the signage. Um, you know, they they really do a really good job on. Uh, educating everybody on it, and they're constantly doing tours of, of the park there, and um, just just letting everybody know, uh, you know, about how special this place really is. And um, yeah, they they've got the the old red chair painted up there with yep. Ted Williams, uh, Homer, and uh, you know, just a just a constant reminder of, of of like you said, all the all the amazing ball, ball players that stood in that same box and and pitched on that same mound and played on the same field. It's, yeah, you, it's you're, very cool feeling. You're standing the same 60 feet, 6 inches that Babe Ruth did when he pitched. You know, that's, yeah, exactly. that's, that's the wild part about something. All right, I have, I have to ask you this before we let you go, Michael, and thank you for giving us yeah. this time this morning. It's, it's a treat to have you on. A um, little bit of tongue-in-cheek, a little bit of fun here uh, for you. But So I texted a, a Major League umpire uh, that, that I know, and he said that Major League Baseball just recently sent out a memo and they were worried about pitchers scuffing balls with wedding rings. And so we just had the scenario where a player over the weekend had to have his wedding ring taken off from inside his glove, not even his pitching hand. Like, like yeah. at some point as a pitcher, you're going, holy cow, will you guys just leave us alone? We're okay? Or you're, what, where, where do you, just in terms of the one specific scenario of the wedding ring, how does that one sit in your brain? Yeah, that, uh, we we got the memo as well in our clubhouse. Uh, I think it was yesterday we were going over, yeah, some some scouting reports, and our pitching coach had just gotten the M, uh, the memo from MLB saying no more wedding rings on, on hands or or anything, not even the the old rubber rubber wedding band as well. So yeah, it's a uh, this. <laughs> It's like they're always trying to put their mark on the game, and uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You you don't want people doctoring up the balls, and you know if there's a way to cheat, there's. I'm sure there's some people out there that will will do it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, it's a. It's always something. It seems like with with this group. Hey, if you if you find a way to scuff up a wedding ring with a or a baseball with a rubber wedding ring, you let me know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there. Exactly. Well, Michael Waka, it's so great to catch up with you. Thank you for the time, and we love seeing you have so much success with Boston this season. Keep it up, and hopefully, we can catch up with you down the road. Hey, thanks a lot. Y'all have a good one. Thanks for having me. That is Michael Walker, former Cardinals pitcher, current Red Sox pitcher, joining us here on 101 ESPN. So great to to talk with him, yeah, Curbs, and you know five and one this season. 
Let me pull. I have it right here. Five and one on the season. Two point two eight ERA. Forty one strikeouts. This guy has a legitimate All Star. No, no doubt, and, and eleven starts, uh, yep. eleven starts, which is even kind of more amazing if you think about last year at Tampa Bay. I think he had twenty three starts and only figured in the decision in eight of them. You know, which is kind of crazy. So, and and as you and I mentioned in the first hour of the show, Michelle, look, Boston, you sit there looking, you go, what they're third or fourth in their division, but they're eight games over five hundred and the thirteen games back of the New York Yankees. Yeah, you know, yet they'd be one or two games out in the Central. So it, it it's not a bad baseball team that that he's with, and it's it like I like I also said earlier, you root for the good guys, and he was a good guy. Yes, he was and is a good guy. Yep. Loved chatting with Michael Walker. One on one ESPN has your chance to win a four pack of tickets to this Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals versus the Marlins on June twenty eighth. It's the next Budweiser Bash game of the twenty twenty two season, and it features a limited edition dual bobblehead giveaway featuring former Cardinals pitchers Dave Stuper and Dave Lapont. Get all the details for this Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash now at cardinals.com slash promotions. Curbs and I will get you wrapped up for the balloon party that's next here on one oh one ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. is loaded with a ton of awesome giveaways this month. If you already have our app, no problem. Make sure to check out the rewards section to see all the giveaways. If you don't have the 101 ESPN app yet, what are you doing? Download it right now. Get registered. You could win $1,000 in cash, a portable Traeger grill, a rolling Yeti cooler, and a signed Ryan O'Reilly blues jersey, plus much more. All of that going on right now on the 101 mobile app. Download it today. Now, Curves, would you like to give away some tickets? I'm always uh, up for giveaways. Okay, What, what are we giving away? First, tickets? First things first, okay. pick a number, any number. In my head or out loud? Out loud. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, out loud. Go ahead. Any number? Knock yourself out. Any yeah. number? Any number. Okay, seven. Okay, make it higher than that. Oh, you need a double-digit number? Yeah, get double, triple digits. Okay. All right. Uh, Jorgen Pedersen was always one of my favorite blues, so I'm going with number 22. Number 22, because we have yep. a lot of people that text in because they okay. want to win these blues tickets. 101 ESPN has your chance to win a four-pack pack of tickets to this Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals versus the Marlins on June 28th. If your texter number... 22. To 65780 right now, and you know the answer to this question, you could be headed to the Cardinals game courtesy of 101 ESPN. What is Chris Kerber trying to borrow from his neighbor for the third week in a row. <laughs> third week in a row, Curbs is trying to borrow what from his neighbor. If you are texter number? 22. <laughs> 22. I'm glad I'm paying attention. To the air, yeah, I just want to get no. you involved here, see? <laughs> to the Air Comfort Service text line, you could win those tickets. Well, Curbs, it's been a really fun show. This flew by. It did. All right, I got a real quick question for you. Go ahead, shoot. told you I was going to hijack a quick segment I on you. I love it. I can't All wait. Right. My father-in-law is a diehard Red Sox fan. My wife somehow grew up a Yankees fan. She claims it's because of the grandpa. Okay. Because she grew up in Mass, right. right? So so I every now and then I start these text chains that get my father-in-law fired up. I put Christy on it, and she's like, for the love of God, get me off this text chain. Because Andy is such a fan. All right, so Andy, as a Red Sox fan, no credit to Jeter, no credit. Even, even once Roger Clemens became a Yankee. Wow. Th- that kind of thing, okay? So I give him crap all the time because I'm like, you, you're, you're, like, you're, so diehard fan, you would rather see the Yankees lose than the Red Sox win. Like that, they get more joy out of seeing the Yankees lose than the Red Sox win. For sure. Right? Is there a great athlete 
that say is a rival that either played for the Cubs or mm-hmm. played for the Blackhawks or the Red Wings, that no matter what, you're like, no, no, I, I could never root for him. I don't ever want him on my team. I don't ever want him anywhere near us. Hmm. That's a really good question. And I think the answer is Big Poppy. Big Poppy is oh, beloved we by right. everyone except for people here in St. Louis because he absolutely single-handedly destroyed our dreams in 2013. Now, it's our own fault because we didn't. the Cardinals didn't hit in that series and they kept pitching to him. But I would say... I would say it's probably David Ortiz for me. Wow. There's there and and you know what? I'm sure he's a fine person. <laughs> he seems to be quite lovely. Every gregarious. Everyone seems to love him. I'm so sure in your if mind, I hung out with him, I'd love you'd have been happy if David Ortiz just struck out every time at the plate for the rest of his career. Absolutely. Now there is one person that I will dislike forever, and I even met him in person, and I was kind of in his house, so I was trying to be respectful, and I didn't really say what I wanted to say. But as a proud grad of the University of Illinois, who is still heartbroken over 2005, Sean May is that guy for me because of the national championship game where those people who didn't go to class ended up winning. But I was at ESPN. We went on a college basketball basketball tour, Duke and UNC. Roy Williams was on our show on Friday and said, why don't you come down to practice and hang out? I'm like, okay, Roy. And so we go down there. And Roy's letting us shoot around on the court at Dean Smith before they take to practice. And all of a sudden I look up and who is standing right next to me? It's Sean May. And I was like, get out of here, you. How would Blues fans react if Patrick Kane became a Blue? Nope. <laughs> Jonathan Taves. Mm. I, Taves doesn't bother me nearly as much. Kane, no. No, because Kane, because here's the thing. <laughs> no, he sits, he's six feet from the microphone. No, 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 I'm not. No, because also there's other things like I don't ever want, like I could never stand being a Chiefs fan because they completely just, they, they, they got Frank Clark and they got Tyreek Hill and they had, and you know, they, or the Browns with Kareem Hunt and they just completely, or Deshaun Watson, they just completely pass it along. Those kind of players I can never root for. Don't, don't be a complete scumbag just, off just, the field either. Do you have there. one? No, the one that I've the one that I have, and 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 I still respect everything he did, but just makes me go. Oh, is is even every time I'd sit in the booth in Tampa, and Steve Eiserman's yeah. booth is right next to us after that dong goal. So I had him on the air one time with me, and I said, I got to finally just get this off my chest. And I told him the story where I was watching that game. It was like he goes, Ah, you're not gonna like my answer. I go, What's that? He goes. You know, I took that shot just to try to get it to the net. It actually went off, I think, Murray Barron's skate or something like that. I'm like, all right, this interview's over. <laughs> that was how I ended the interview. Brutal, Carl. That was how I ended it. But I appreciate him giving me the interview. It was, it was it was therapeutic for me to be able to at least tell Eiserman how much pain he put me through that night and all those years because of it. And continues to. Thank goodness that the Blues won, though, right? Because that eases a lot of past traumas. Oh, for yeah. Blues we're fans. able to get over a lot more now because of it. No Absolutely. Doubt. Well, Curbs, this was so fun. Thank you for filling in for you Randy. It, it for was Michelle. a great Monday. Thanks, Matt. And we'll be talking to you down the road. I'm sure we're going to have you in studio as the summer goes on, as an interesting offseason for the Blues continues to unfold. Matt Rocchio, thank you for your great work as always. Pleasure. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Carricker will be back in tomorrow. He's at a golf tournament today, but coming up next, it's the balloon party. So keep it here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. 
Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.